Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raw, R-A-A-W, Reflecting and Analyzing Wrestling. As always, I am, let's see if I can get it correct to live up to the name, the excellence of elocution, Paul, I'm deciding whether to go with Paul Casey, because that's what I am, or Paul E. Payne, because that's like my ring name. Um, But I am here representing uh, Clock Shelves Entertainment. This is a co-production between Clock Shelves Entertainment and Renegade Pop Culture, and representing Renegade Pop Culture on the other side, in the opposing corner, if you will, is Kiona Tang. Say hello to the people, Kiona. Hello, I am Paul's brother from Banana Ah, there we go. I like it. I like it. Um, and we are bringing you this special episode to talk about the Royal Rumble 1993. And indubitably, I just well, we both just watched it today as we're recording this. Yep. Um, I definitely did not watch it while I was supposed to be doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it was it was good. I I did, there was a, several things that I didn't remember. If I'm being honest, once some of the things happened, I was oh, like, oh definitely. yeah, that is how that happened, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, I know you. We were talking a little bit. Uh, I didn't have the day. money for pay per views back in the day, so I just watched like the recaps during you know during Raw or what have you. If I was able to catch it that week. Well, I feel like we did some pay-per-views and like as the 90s Mm kind of went on we started doing a little bit more here and there just because um a lot of that stuff started to pick up like within it probably a year or two of this i want to say is when like wwf started doing the in your houses so it wasn't just the big four or five it was they started doing a, a smaller priced one every month because i believe if i remember mm-hmm, correctly mm-hmm. these were priced at about 39.99 around like there that. yeah i want to say 40 to 50 dollars yeah probably a and, little bit more where i was from because and then, I, I think um, they kind of up the charge or something well yeah, to be fair us. everything everything's more expensive there right yeah that's true <laughs> that's true um, and then I want to say later again, later on, you know, a few years after this, the uh, the in your houses were either a 1999 or 2999 price point because but it was also mm. a shorter show like on the yeah. network. This uh, this is about two hours and 40. I think it's like 237 or something like that. So it's about two yeah, hours somewhere around and 40 there. minutes. So those were I but now I think by that point they were becoming three hours like the the, yeah. the big the big four or five depending on if yeah, you they count were... king of the ring yeah. but i believe the big four or five were starting to be about three hours plus so then the mm-hmm, in your houses mm-hmm. started being about an hour and a half to two hours mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes sense um but we were talking um a little earlier and a little before we uh we started here and you were saying that you were taking some notes i took a few mental notes yeah um, i I took some notes here, uh, not like super detailed or anything, but just like, you know, just, yeah, it was an enjoyable show. I have to say, like, it wasn't like groundbreaking by any means, but it was something where I I, I had some fun with a lot of the, the matches and stuff, you know, it was kind of cool. Good to see it again, too. Yeah, it's it's one of those, like you time. said, it's it's not groundbreaking. Like, I got to admit, like, yeah. I'm not necessarily in like a rush to go no. watch it again you know what i mean like there are certain shows that yeah i'm like, like uh, i i agree because i'm sitting here like okay i watched it, it i watched it once and that's like enough 
for me for for you know for for, for this quite a while yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but you know good to see some guys that we have lost and and some speaking of which oh i i wanted to mention um uh the the news about uh jay briscoe um and just say rest in peace to him yeah i actually i saw uh, that my God, on, that's, um, that was shocking one I'm of the so wrestling accounts I follow on TikTok posted something about it. Yeah. And I have to admit, so I was never like a super like Ring of Honor fan. And I kind of got neither. out of, um, I believe they were, they did a little bit in Impact, things like that. So I, honestly, I never really watched a whole lot of the Briscoes, but I've heard nothing but, well, I can't say nothing but good things. But um, generally hmm. speaking, very good things, very uh, talented guys. And I believe he was like under 40. He was. Right? He was only thirty six. Yeah. So and yeah, they were was... uh, the current um, ring of or, um, or no 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 I'm sorry not thirty six thirty eight. Okay. He was thirty eight. Pardon me. Pardon me. Eighty four. Yeah. Nineteen eighty four. So it would be thirty eight. But yeah, they were the the current um, ring of honor tag team champions, and I believe there were two other people. I believe it was a a vehicle crash it was a vehicle correct? crash yeah and yeah. and also to the other yeah to the other people who were also um um you know in in critical condition or lost their lives um that was just shocking news for me uh even though like you know i'm i'm like you where i haven't really watched a lot of ring of honor because that was kind of after you know after my time watching wrestling for you know for that long stretch of time where i didn't watch um but you know, I I know of their matches with FTR, especially the the last you know three contests that they've had, and um, and Dax you know put out that uh, that that tweet about it. Um, I'm I'm so sad that we you know, I'm just sad to hear it. I'm just sad to hear it. Period. Um. But you know, I wanted to mention that because you know, it just it, it makes me think of like a lot of the guys here that we that we watched on this Royal Rumble that also have um, have passed on as well. And uh, not to not to be too much of a downer here, but you know, it was good to see them um, nonetheless uh, in this form, at least you know, to have their legacy. And um, it's it's important that you know. Like, yeah, I saw it and I, 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 cause I Googled it. Cause I was like, oh, mm. I, cause well one, cause again, you see, like I, the first thing I saw was something on TikTok, you know what I mean? And then I went to mm -hmm. Twitter or whatever. And then mm -hmm. I, I did Google it to see, you know, if there were yeah. any, and there's, there was some, some non wrestling news articles, but for the most part, it was, you know, it, it was basically just like a little blip. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, oh, professional wrestling. Because, and it's it's very it's very sad to say, but if you're if you're not Hulk Hogan, John Cena, The Rock, Batista, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Somebody, Steve Austin, you know what I mean? Somebody who kind of breaks through, yeah, to the mainstream entertainment, you're yeah. not necessarily going to get your due. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it when when something ultimately happens unless it's in a negative light yeah you know what yeah. i mean if it's something bad then your name's going to be plastered everywhere you yeah. know what i mean but if you're if you're somebody that doesn't quote unquote make it through so it was nice to see a few a few articles but mm -hmm. if we 
as wrestling fans don't you know acknowledge the legacy of wrestlers even if it's ones that we may not be as familiar with but like you and I like we said like we're not as familiar with with the mm-hmm. briscoes but we are aware just from being you know like i'm like i've seen some ring of honor matches not their matches per se so like i'm a i'm a like peripheral fan i've read stuff mm-hmm, about ring mm-hmm, of honor same. i've read about a lot of their especially the matches that they had there and you know their their legacy and things like that but you know what i mean like if if we're not gonna and i don't mean just you and i but again i just mean like as wrestling fans in general if we're not gonna honor them mm-hmm. then there's not many who will because as much as it is one of the oldest things on television as much as it is that you know like accepted in a lot of places it's it's a war well arguably it's a worldwide thing it's still a very niche or niche however you pronounce it audience yeah we were joking we were joking today when we were totally not watching this at my place of employment (laughs) not um at all and uh i said to to one of the women you know half jokingly knowing that she's not a fan because we've talked about it before um during a very specific segment later that that will will definitely have some things to say but i said come check this guy out hello all listeners of clock shelves entertainment i am jacob known as the streaming demon over at renegade pop culture Need a distraction from all the chaos in the world? Well, so do we. And that's why we discuss all kinds of media that we love. Movies, cartoons, music, comics, games, you name it, we cover with gaming respectful, honest, and enthusiastic perspectives. Find us on Podchaser, Banana Meter, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or hop over to RenegadePopCulture.com. Renegade Pop Culture. Need an escape? So do we. And she was like, what? what is that? And I was like, this is wrestling. You know what I mean? Because she was like, she goes, this is why I don't watch this. She's like, if I wanted to watch this, I would just watch a soap opera. She's like, I don't get into this fake stuff. And I turned to her. Normally I I say the Godfather, but I decided to go with a different one. I said, yeah, you know what else is fake? Avatar, highest grossing movie in the world. You know? (laughs) No, what else is fake? Soap operas. Right. But that was her thing where she was like, I would just watch a soap opera. It's the same thing. And I, and we said, yes, it is. It is. Like, and I have I have no problem with that. You well, know what I mean? That's why people have often called it the male soap opera because right. it's got all the stuff. Yeah. And so but I mean but if we're but not now gonna I, give it I feel due... kind of that that's a little problematic because it's not just you know, obviously there are a lot of wrestling fans that are female as well. So women that are women. Yes. No, I understand that. I'm not saying that, but I'm I no, do I do I mean... fully but there are a lot of and I used to be one of them. There are a lot of soap opera fans who are guys too. Yeah, you know, like I my watch Gilmore Girls. I ain't gonna judge nobody, man. Well, my my argument. I love was that always, show. <laughs> my argument was always, I like Grey's Anatomy is also a soap opera. That show has been going for 15, 16 seasons, and I it's I really like show. that show. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like realistically, most things on TV have soap opera have elements soap and you know what a lot Indeed. of your a lot of people's favorite actors friggin jensen ackles the guy that every well i don't want to say just girls because a lot of guys too a lot of people love him from supernatural got his start soap operas yeah you know yeah. what i mean like i i don't i've never understood that's a whole other topic for a whole other time i don't know why people have always been down on them but 
I have no problem with the fact that wrestling is a soap opera. I'm fully, you know, I'm fully on board with it. But like yeah. I said, it is still a a there, like a like a subculture sort of thing. Do you think there's kind of a stigma attached to it still, like being a wrestling fan? I mean, I I Yes. And yeah. I, I know I know for a fact there is because I've had people yeah. to this day who still say, you know it's fake, right? And I turn and I say, Yes, sir. And so is the Godfather, but people love that movie. But which I, that's it, the answer that my buddy Zach uh gives. It, it's when I it's worked, sort of like it's choreographed. I mean, like they, they know what they're doing, you know, like they know the outcome of the match and all that stuff before they do it and all that. But I mean it's kind of like you could say that, but also there there's still a chance of getting hurt and there's still a chance of like, you know, a blow might land where it's not supposed to land and then you end up hospitalized. I mean, things happen in the ring that are not necessarily, you well, know. Yeah, it, uh, as they always say, it ain't ballet. Yeah. You know, yeah, but so again, it's... I have, I have, I think the stigma is still there. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I do think, because I remember it was right before I was getting back into it. Um, back when I used to work at the supermarket. Uh, now, my area up here, we have a lot of people. We A lot of people around here like to think that they live in the southern United States. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is they drive pickup trucks. They dress like what they oh, think geez. cowboys and farmhands dress like. Um, okay. There's a lot of... There's I don't want to say it's always the um what's it called? The uh, for argument, I just want to say the rebel flag, the was it stars and bars, they call it. You know what I mean? Uh, there there is some of that. Um there's well, it's a very 50-50 split area, you know, Trump, non-Trump sort of thing, because that seems to be the dividing line anymore. I'm not saying anything one seems, way or the other. I'm just saying that it it seems to be the dividing line. Mm-hmm. But um so you get the like there's always been sort of the stigma that though those people are the people that like wrestling right the people that live in like middle america the flyover country Mm. people you know Mm. what i mean because it's it's lowest common denominator television like i've heard that plenty of times and things and i remember back when i used to work at the supermarket there was somebody who was walking through with a with a wrestling shirt on and my direct supervisor made a comment and i can't remember exactly what he said but he said something about like that kind of person and i was like what do you mean that kind of person and he's like well look at how he's dressed he has the 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 boots and the and he's like at a wrestling t-shirt and i go if my i go if you ever saw my dad out my dad would probably look almost exactly like that dressed wise my dad doesn't wear like cowboy boots or anything but like he would absolutely wear like jeans and a wrestling shirt and you know mm-hmm. like a baseball cap and you know my dad's been for the most part since the late 80s rocking a mullet you know what i mean like that's that's just his thing so i've never and i don't necessarily judge someone <laughs> based on i try not to judge someone based on how they look especially when they're out at the supermarket or whatever but that's yeah. when I was yeah. like, I was like, wow, I guess that stigma about wrestling fans does still exist. And then when I got back into it, I was like, oh, it really still exists because people started painting me with a very similar brush. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 
I'm trying to think of like examples for myself as well, but I I don't know. I I wasn't. I think, like I said, after a while, I mean, like when I was in high school, it was at the height of things. So it was at like you know the Attitude Era and the late '90s, and everything was like wrestling was really really popular. So when I was in high school, a lot of the guys that that were my friends and stuff, like we all you know we knew the the NWO hand sign, and we we did like the two sweet, and we you know it was. It was something that was kind of more, I guess, among, you know, a little more culturally accepted at the time, I guess. Like, it was a little more popular and a little bit more like, okay, you're a wrestling fan, so you're into cool stuff. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was just the 90s or something or the, the late 90s kind of boom that, that it had. But, yeah, um, I I but I definitely feel like the, the stigma of it still to this day. So it's kind of a it's it's interesting in that regard but uh well, for me it was a little bit different oddly enough well like i said and I, then I, of course when i worked at starbucks um you know fairly recently within the few the last few years um you know i had again some coworkers that were into it so you know <laughs> but yeah oddly enough it's just one of those things where some some people kind of judge it or some people judge you because of it i don't i never got that because like i said i don't judge but like i said going back to the original thing um i definitely yeah. think that um if uh if we don't kind of talk about it and talk about the fact that like mm -hmm. one yeah, like... to pay tribute to the people and to, and going going off of the stigma thing yeah we're just average everyday people like just like your average everyday person can like breaking bad they can like Grey's anatomy they can like whatever you know some can like eminem some can like the beatles some can like both it doesn't matter there doesn't have to mm -hmm. be a stigma around it, and there doesn't yeah. have to be yeah, there there uh, a reason be. for it to be, oh my goodness, this guy who brought a lot of people entertainment and enjoyment passed away, and that's yeah. incredibly sad. It doesn't, you know what it I mean? Is. Like I was saying how like it's it's if it's not a mainstream crossover person, it may not get the publicity. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um so going into Royal Rumble 1993, uh yeah. I did <laughs> find you said you took a few notes. I I said I didn't really I have did. anything, but um I did mm -hmm. see that there was actually a dark match, untelevised dark match before oh. the event, which was Interesting. Doink the Clown defeating Jim Powers via submission. Oh, wow. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. And now, thanks to Clockshelves Entertainment, we bring you Buffyverse and Converse a Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe-themed podcast as we re-watch every episode of the beloved franchise. 
whether you're a first-time viewer or been a fantastic fan from the beginning, this show has something for you. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts and celebrate with us as we celebrate 25 years of Buffy rolling into Sunnydale and into our geeky hearts. Uh, one of the first things I noticed about this event was that um, unlike, and it's it, very different in comparison to the WWF later and whatnot. So on Monday Night Raw, now we, again, we haven't been watching Superstars or Challenge or Mania or any of those other syndicated mm-hmm. shows. We've only been obviously watching Monday Night Raw. We've been focused on Raw, yeah. Right. And our hosts, our commentators have been Vince McMahon, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett. <laughs> that was my first note today was it's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary from the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. And thank God there's no Rob Bartlett. Yes. Yes. Pardon me. Pardon me. Rob Bartlett, I'm sure you're a nice enough guy, but um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 glad that we're doing something with. I mean, I'm sure I'm we'll uh, we'll be that... longing for this when we talk yeah, about the, the it was a nice the night break. after this, but <laughs> it was a very nice break between um you know not not having Rob Bartlett. Yeah. So I I want to ask it because I I uh, I like to get people's opinions on this. So there's a few different opinions that I hear. In sure. terms of the best announcing duo, hmm. we have one okay. of them that's it. Like, so the, the conversation a lot of times that I hear from most people are either in, you know, it's either one or one A, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Ooh. I have heard some other ones thrown in there. One of my one of my very good friends, his opinion, I believe his opinion is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other that. people say Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. <laughs> well, if only for the fact that, you know, I love the way that uh, Jesse the Body Ventura always used to say, well, I'll tell you something, McMahon. I mean, that was just always good. Just the way he said McMahon. I don't know. It was just funny. Um, that's a tough one. That is a pretty tough one, honestly. I I definitely, you know, I first of all, I have to preface this by saying that I kind of love them all because in a way it's my childhood. So, you know, it's nostalgic no matter what. Um, but enough of the cop out. Um, I think for me, I got to go JR. I got to go JR and Lawler yeah. just because like for, for me, Jim Ross is the greatest. Um, but man, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, even on a show like this, which wasn't like my favorite, favorite show, they were still just on fire. Like, like Bobby the Brain Heenan with anybody is gold. I feel like he's just so great. It's almost like, you know, you know, like how I say JR is the greatest, like JR is the greatest and Bobby the Brain Heenan is the greatest heel and out the like heel commentator. Right. Everything from just the way that he says, I'm a broadcast journalist. I never lie about anything. You know, like, and, and calling the people humanoids. I mean, the guys, he was brilliant in his time. Um, 
And Gorilla Monsoon was very fun. Like, it's so fun to hear them just bounce off each other because Monsoon is just always sitting there going like, will you stop? You know, like, I'll punch you in the face if you don't stop. Like, it's just great. And it's um, not and it's not in that same way. Like, he actually interacts with them. And and yes. one of the things, of course, yes. you know, when you're when you know a little bit more than just, you know, the yeah. casual fan when you're a, a smart Mark like we are. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Word of the week, there's, Mark. There's word of the week. Uh, original. I can't give you the exact Mark, definition. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. But mm-hmm. uh, Paul, what did I say? Uh, pro wrestling parlance with Paul. Um, <laughs> PW, PW. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mark. Basically, it comes from the old school Carney days, where someone would legitimately put a mark of chalk on the back of someone. If they thought that they were uh, going to be easily manipulated. And so you were a mark <laughs> if you were going to believe that, you know, pro wrestling was real or that, you know, mm-hmm. the the bearded lady, you know what I mean? Sort of thing, like all mm-hmm. those, you know, whatever you were a mark. And then that just um, evolved into being um obviously a more negative stereotype and then you have the the evolution where it's a smart mark or a smark as people call them who are smart <laughs> the uh the people and i don't want to say like you and i but like you, i'm sure we've known people and i'm sure at certain points we've been those people who go yeah you know all that other stuff was was ugh. but this over here i know that he really hates him so yeah, these two, yeah. that part was real, but all yeah. the rest of it I know is not real, but this was real. And like yeah. that, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of having done that myself, you know, well, I mean, just recently with the CM Punk and AEW stuff, like that was something where it was like him and Eddie Kingston. I was like, Ooh, gosh, you know, that's, that, that's some real venom there. Right. I mean, yeah, that was, that was some good shit. So, but, uh... um, but yes, yeah, so that's the uh, pro <laughs> wrestling parlance with Paul is Mark. Um, mm-hmm. But what I was going to say was, I feel now knowing what I know about Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, you could tell that one of the reasons that they mm-hmm. worked so well together was because they were best friends. Even though their characters hated each other, they were best yes. friends. You yes. know what I mean? And I yes. feel like that, that yeah, comes yeah. through. Definitely. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's like, that's that, you know, that, that kind of like irrefutable sort of chemistry that they had, you know, it's good. Exactly. Good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, should we talk about the first match on the card? Go ahead. So we have the Beverly brothers. Sans the genius, which uh, makes me sad because I was like, when the genius is out there with them for some reason, and the Steiner brothers. So that was the first match on the card here. Um, you know, of course, you got Bo and Blake Beverly versus Rick and Scott Steiner. Um, the Steiner brothers, of course, being one of my all-time favorite tag teams in in wrestling. Um, you know, pure baby faces versus these villainous Beverly brothers who were cheating, using the tag rope to choke Scott. I mean, they were doing everything that they could to basically win, uh, to, to win dirtily. 
And of course, um, you know, what happens in the match is that we have a pretty decent, I think, in ring, you know, match with 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 some good spots and uh a nice hot tag to Rick and he just lays waste to the Beverly's and basically, you know, does his thing, the dog face gremlin. We all love him. Um Scott wins the match with uh with a in my opinion, one of one of the best Frankensteiners that I've ever seen because he put that guy right on his head with that Frankensteiner. Um, it was a good match, I think, in my opinion. Maybe not the best match I've ever seen, but it was definitely a good one. Um, and of course, the Steiners win. So that's pretty much the only notes that I took on it. I I thought it was solid and I thought it was a, a good opener. Um, you know, you can never go wrong with a brothers versus brothers match. I always think that's good. So decent tag team wrestling my opinion what did you think i would agree i wasn't blown away by it um i i do agree it's always nice to see the steiner brothers it's it's weird going back and looking at this version of them especially knowing what we know yes, isn't it? scott steiner it um, so is yeah i i I think they've always been fantastic. Uh, I don't really have, in terms of their their tag team work or anything, I don't really have a whole lot uh, negative to say um, about them, only because it was just like they were the white meat baby face tag team, right? Like that's when they were, when they were like this, they were like, we're college, we're all American, you know, from Detroit, Michigan, like, um, old I school did, guys kind of <laughs> exactly i did like yeah. um uh bobby heenan you know why is he wearing earmuffs i don't know why that just stuck why out to me wearing... on commentary <laughs> yeah bobby heenan had some great zingers i mean he always does but he had some great zingers during this whole pay-per-view it was fun but... just the way that he gaslights the audience completely it's so great such a heel commentator i love it but i yeah, used to I... hate him when i was a kid well, yeah, then that means he was doing his job. <laughs> then that means he's doing his job. Completely right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to hate him when I was a kid. And I thought he was just garbage, trash human being. But that's exactly what he wanted you to think. So did his job. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have any much more to to add. Uh, yeah. Than what I you said. That... I think you summed it up perfectly. The, the spot that, that made me chuckle a bit was when they were going up there to kind of do their, um, you know, to do like the uh, the, the spot where he, um, one of the Beverly's was holding up uh, Scott on his shoulders and then the other guy went up, with, you know, to the top rope and tried to do the clothesline, the jumping clothesline. And then, of course, Scott just kind of fell out of the way and <laughs> I always laugh when that doesn't work. But uh, yeah, good match. Definitely a good way. They always say the the two most important matches on any show are mm-hmm. the main event and the opening match because the opening yep. match because a lot of people you know yeah it sets the tone and a lot of people they they hate being second or third and a lot of people don't don't necessarily True. like the the first you know being the first match but yeah. a lot of the the more experienced people tell them that it's probably one of the best places you want to be because mm-hmm. then if you're as good as you think you are, you basically get to go out there and do all that you can do and come back through the curtain and say, there you go. Try to follow that. Yeah. You know? exactly and like right. you said, it, it sets the tone we would see later on again. I don't, yeah. 
not to jump too far ahead in in the the timeline of wrestling, but we would see mm-hmm. later on um, Eric Bischoff would utilize the cruiserweights to be the mm-hmm. opening of Monday Nitro because it was yeah. a nice way to get the crowd cheering and all of that yeah. at the very beginning of the show because yeah. you know they're doing a lot of their the high flying moves and things that you didn't flying, tend to see. Yeah. So it was exciting going. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, get the crowd into it. Yeah, I mean, and also the fact that it's a tag match, you know, just kind of because all the other matches were basically single matches except for the the rumble itself. But, you know, you can come out there with a tag match and just do that and have some fun with it. So, yeah, interesting. The uh, the next ma- did was there. So if you took notes, that means you have a more detailed yes. format. Was there anything in between that and the next match? Not really. They just kind of recapped the feud between uh, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. Okay. So, so that is our next match is Shawn Michaels uh, yep. defeating Marty Jannetty to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, um, It was mm-hmm. one of the longer matches on the card, which is it not was. a bad thing because no. any, you know, I, I would, I absolutely love a good Shawn Michaels match. And I think that yes. in yeah. the early singles run that he had until he started yeah. getting into the more main event picture. I think um Marty Jannetty was probably one of his best opponents. And I think yeah. that's only because they had been in it's obviously it's what this storyline was, but they had Again, been the chemistry partners for yeah. so long. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of times um I don't want to say back in the day, but a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll, you know, people will do that. Um yeah. where yeah. they uh, they they either were enemies in this territory and then they would team together in this territory or yes, yes. it may yes. start out where they are a team and then they split apart and then they feud or what have you. I believe. Um, yeah, I believe Paul Heyman did that with uh, I want to say public enemy. I believe they were rivals and he put them together as a team. Um, hmm. We know that. <laughs> um Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and once upon a time legend has it that a wrestler named uh El Generico and a, a gentleman named Kevin Steen used to have a very <laughs> similar thing um <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. El Generico El Generico indeed. legend has it legend um but uh so that's it there's obviously a reason for that and I think that they did a fantastic job here um yep. it was yep. obviously we you know we weren't sure where um sensational sherry would fit in with yep. this because uh yep. there was um was it michael's one of them accident michael's accidentally hit her right or hit her with the, the thing? yeah uh um yeah i think it was no it was janetti janetti hit her Janetti hit her with the mirror thing. He was going to hit Shawn Michaels, and then Shawn Michaels pulled her pulled in her the in way. front. That's what it was. And then Janetti uh, ended up hitting her with it, and that looked pretty painful. Yeah. Well, um, see, so that goes really quickly. That goes back to the thing, right? Where I I just saw this. Um, uh, it gives a little insight into kind of where we are right now. Um, yeah. Especially you know, even as you know, day of recording, but. Um, Bully yeah. Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, uh, tweeted yeah. something where uh, re- I don't know how recent it was, but it was a, a Joe Rogan thing. 
So if you haven't already, uh, go check out on Content Club. One of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called Two of Us. It features myself and my father uh, going through some different things in Beatles history. Uh, I know that that may not sound like fun to some people. You may not be a Beatles fan, or maybe you're just a casual fan, or what have you, but we're making some interesting discoveries along the way, because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that, and my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young, uh, but he is one of the biggest Beatles fans I know one of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide, it's it's almost like a sports commentary sort of deal where I provide some play-by-play and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves, and it is called Two of Us, and it's us going through the long and winding road of the Beatles. And somebody was talking about the Dudley boys and when mm-hmm. they they uh, power bombed um, May Young off of the Titantron into a table. And I don't oh, know geez. if you were watching at that point, but that's when Bubba Ray I, Dudley I would do was. the thing where he would just stare off into space when mm-hmm. he was done with something like that. So, you know, especially mm-hmm. they would attack the women and things like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. not something you do now, probably shouldn't Obviously have been done not. then. Uh, yeah, but... probably not. <laughs> But one of the things that you hear all the time was May Young was very much May Young and the fabulous Moolah, who, of course, we've heard a lot of not so great things about in recent years. But basically mm-hmm. their thing was you better, you know, don't hold back just because I'm a woman, just because I'm older, mm-hmm. like treat me just like you would any of the boys. And they're wa- on the Joe Rogan experience. They're watching this clip and he's there going, oh, they, you know, that poor lady, like she must have, you know, smashed her head. Like he probably caused her brain damage and things. And uh, Bubba Ray, Bully Ray, as he's known, not in WWE, uh, he he tweeted out. He said, you know, I promise you she was completely fine, but thanks for the concern, whatever. And mm. a lot of people in the in the replies to the tweet were basically saying how they love how Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan, of course, is Mr. UFC everything and what, you know, this Mm. is real and blah, blah, blah. And he's one of the people always out there going, you know, talking about how how WWE is so, again, using, you know, fake and it's scripted. What UFC is, is real and, you know, all that. And he's very much kind of anti-pro wrestling in a lot of ways. But then he's also the first one going, oh, well, that was real. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's yeah. that's like a mark or a smart mark sort that, of thing. That's definitely you know what I yeah. Mean? Where it's like, well, it's all fake, but that right there, that was real. You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and I feel like the way that that looked with Sensational Sherry getting hit, it was yeah. one of those moments where like it was that, one of those moments. It looked like it hurt, and you know whatever. 
Um, but I mean, that's sort of why they did it. That right. Way. It's supposed I mean, to. Just like you said when you to. were a kid, you you hated Bobby Heenan, whatever. And I said that means yeah. they did their job. That means they did their job because we're even now, thirty years later, we're looking going, wow, that mm -hmm. looked like it hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but fantastic match. Of course, we get fantastic uh, match. sort of sensational Sherry there on the outside you know of course uh, the big question whose corner is she in you know who is she supporting because she's been in Shawn michaels corner for all those you know for for quite a while at that point and and now it's like you know with him pulling her in front of him and all that and she knows you know she she would probably know that oh i have um, to ask you because i don't think it was on i don't think it was was it on mike what did we actually do we do it or did, was it after the show perhaps i feel like it was after the show we were talking mm -hmm. maybe after the first episode uh, -huh. uh well first yeah monday night raw episode where we were talking about Shawn michaels theme and yes i sent you the version of vince yeah was singing it. Yes. was that yes, i believe yes. it was after uh we were done recording but that um, was after I'm, Okay, so we I believe we had talked about it on the show though. So yes, we now did. um yes, we did. I I might have it because I don't remember if I stopped hitting record once it was done. So I might actually have it. Um, oh my god, but I'm, that's funny. I'm curious your uh, your reaction. Maybe share it with the people because uh, oh, I mean, I, Sherry you... is the version that we hear at least yes. here, and then later on, yes. it's, I believe it's him doing. Sean and Michael she actually sings it, it quite well, in my opinion, uh, better than Vince did. <laughs> But Vince's uh, rendition, shall we say, of Shawn Michaels' theme song is absolutely one of the uh, funniest things that I've ever heard in my entire life because he sings it in that total, you know, Vince McMahon gruff, you know, like... I think I'm cute. Brody voice. I know I think I'm cute. Oh, I'm sexy. And it's just like, it's the funniest freaking thing that I've ever heard in my life. Um <laughs> It's up there anyway. It's up there. It's in top ten for sure. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, that that's that's hilarious. I gotta I gotta say, like, if you haven't heard it, you can definitely find it on YouTube, and and please do yourself a favor and go listen to that because oh it's, my goodness, it's yeah. gold. It is gold. Um, it's the weirdest thing to hear him sing, but at the same time, it's so funny. Well, because it just makes sense, right? Like it just yeah. makes sense that he would be the one to go. This is how it of has course to sound, he would. Pal. Like... Of course, absolutely, <laughs> Mister Control Freak. Do, it, do, it, over do there. it just like this, pal. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Oh God. Um, I will say Sean did a better edition than Vince as well, but you know. <laughs> no, if I remember the the whole conversation started because you don't like that song, right? You don't like Sean singing it or something like that. Well, I I liked Sherry's version more than Sean's version. Let's just put it that way. But okay, now I like Sean's version better than Vince's. So, <laughs> See, for the laugh factor, I think Vince's is the best. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, it makes I, agree, me laugh. I agree. It's so bad, it's good. But it, it's so bad, it's great. But I, uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> for sure. Oh my God, though. That's one of the great. things about this match i mean yeah so i i i don't necessarily remember like any major spots or anything during this match i i yeah can't really say a whole lot negative about a Shawn michaels match only because again i i've said this before i think he's probably one of the best to ever do it um agreed in in agreed. terms of and we were 
I've talked about this with some people where some people are wrestlers, mm. some people are sports entertainers, and I mm. think he had a really good balance. He of found both. a good balance of both. Yes, he did. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. and I think Marty Jannetty often doesn't get the credit you hear a lot of times, and and Shawn Michaels yeah. has spoken about this. You know, when people when tag teams yeah. break up, and it's like, oh, which one's going to be the Shawn Michaels and which one's going to be the Marty Jannetty? No matter what, the one Marty Jannetty I think deserves for his yeah. in-ring stuff his personal life I'm not you know there's some not so great stuff there allegedly but yeah his yep. his in-ring stuff I believe he deserves a lot more credit and you also have to think about the fact that whenever any of these other teams break up there's not any of them that are going to be Shawn Michaels but we always hear that right like uh yeah. you know the the Hardy boys you know, one Jeff became more of like a because he had like the charisma and he became more world champion, whereas Matt Hardy in WWE, at least, was kind of relegated to he's just he just kind of floats around the upper mid card edge and Christian edge became the guy and Christian again kind of floated around the upper mid card until he you know left and came back and, and what have you. But you hear mm-hmm. that a lot. Which one of them is going to be the Shawn Michaels of the group? Mm-hmm. But nobody is Sean like, and I believe that's what Sean Michaels basically has said. You, you know, it's not fair when one of the people was Sean Michaels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not to say that mm-hmm. Marty Jannetty, you know, didn't didn't deserve something else. It was there was obviously other things at play there, and and they've kind of talked yeah. about that um, themselves, yeah. and other people have dissected that a lot more, and and what have you. Yeah, but there were. You know, one of the like Shawn Michaels is Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Just like, did you know, that would be like somebody saying, well, you know, of the Hollywood blondes, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin became what he became. And, you know, Brian Pillman, eh. Brian Pillman did a lot and deserved Brian a lot. Brian Pillman did a credit. lot. You know what I yeah. mean? But that would be, yeah. it would be very similar to somebody saying yeah. that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not a, a fair assessment. And I think this match, and many others, even the one we just watched um, the other day on on the Monday Night Raw recap, where it was Marty Jannetty, I don't remember, the Coco Beware he faced, I want to say, um, where, uh, you know, he put on a great match. And I think that it shows that it's, because, you know, somebody, if I, if I show somebody this, people say, well, yeah, but Sean carried him. But I don't think that's true. I think Marty Jannetty you know, deserves and, you know, deserves to be talked about in great workers who, you know, could have gone further if it weren't for X, Y, and Z. Yes, very true. Very true. I think that, um, I think that if anything, this match kind of proves that as well. Like if you look at, it was a competitive match. It was a good match between him and Sean and they really work well together. (laughs) You know, at least as far as I could tell, Um, you know, they, they kind of, they're, they're similar styles in a way. Like, I feel like Sean is the more flashy one, but Janetti's also very good and can do like, you know, he can do the, the thrust kick. He can do like, you know, kind of, almost a Shawn Michaels-esque sort of, you know, like there's a work ethic there. Um, 
Which again makes sense because they were a team. Because for they so were long. a team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Gorilla Monsoon even said it on commentary. They were almost like brothers, you know, they were obviously pretty tight with one another. And I could see that. So yeah, very good match. Um of course, I think the outcome was fairly easy to tell. Like you could pretty much, you know, like Shawn Michaels ain't gonna lose to Marty Janetti. Like well, no, but the there, thing that got me was um, yeah. Sherry interfered at the end, yep. I believe, and um, and in the middle, yeah, she hit him on. She hit Michaels actually. She 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 hit Sean on the outside. Yes. Um, which of course, you know, then then paints the picture of like, okay, Sherry's obviously in Janetti's corner, or at least on his side in this match. So, but once the referee bump happened, then we knew that that was that you know Sean was going to win. Through some thing kind that, of dubious way. The thing that got me was she runs off mm-hmm. and <laughs> Gene Okerlund is in the back. Oh, Gene Okerlund. And at one point His he just once... goes, he just goes, Sherry, shut up. <laughs> like because <Yeah. laughs> she's it's freaking like, out. It, Sherry, just he's the Sherry, shut up. I love it when Mean Gene just all of a sudden gets to live up to the mean side of his name. Like, I always just find that hilarious. Like, I don't know why. I mean, it's just Mean Gene just suddenly just, like, losing his composure and just being like, everybody just shut up. <laughs> and then uh, I believe, is it one of them goes, one of them chases back after her. I think Michaels chases back after her to, like, I don't know, get revenge or whatever. And then, yeah, um, he's obviously trying to like, you know, badmouth her or something or say something. And then I believe Janetti runs back. Janetti and, like, just goes and brawls with them and all that. Yeah. And then they have to separate them. Yeah. You know, they bring out Sarge. Um, uh, it's great. We then got a match, which was very cold in my opinion only. And I say that again, only because we're covering Monday yeah. Night Raw. Yeah. There's been there was zero build up. No, now there's zero have, build to this. There may zero. have been on zero. again superstars or challenge or something like that. Maybe. But not I don't a thing. really remember that. I don't remember anything. Like and you would think that like even they showed um even on the episode of Monday Night Raw that you know that, that led into this, we saw where they talked about um you know doink and crush have like a thing and like oh you know for more on that check out you know superstars or challenge yeah. or whatever yeah exactly not a single exactly. thing over the course of two episodes of monday night raw not a single thing that would even hint that they were going to lead into this match which was bam bam bigelow versus the big boss man mm-hmm. so i gotta admit i popped a little bit because i was like I was like, bam, 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 coming out to his bam, bam music was pretty fun. Um, You know, I just hadn't seen the guy in a while. So I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize this was part of it. So bam, bam versus big boss, man. All right. So my notes basically say these are two big guys doing big moves to each other. Kind of a filler match. Bam, bam wins, surprisingly. That's my notes. The one part of your notes really sticks out to me. Uh, I would definitely say this is, it's terrible. And arguably, no matter who followed Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, 
Yeah. Especially be... with the only other two matches after this. Yeah. It was always going to be a, a, uh, what they refer to as like a cool down match or yeah, segment cool, or yeah. a popcorn yeah. match, you know, like, oh, yeah. this, you know, we just saw something big. Now we could go, you know, refill our popcorn and our drinks before, you know, the next big thing happens and what have you, which is, which is not fair because, you know, it was, no. like you said, it was, it was an okay match. It wasn't, it wasn't great in my opinion, but I mean, I like both of those guys. So, you know, like I said, this is my childhood. So I like both of those guys, but uh, you know, and sadly both of them are, are gone. Yep. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I, that it, it is what it is. <laughs> But I was surprised though that Bam Bam actually won that match. I I was a little bit surprised by that. But uh, yeah, so that was a thing that was. Yeah, honest. I mean, really, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't really have. A and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. <laughs> um, you know, I mean no that... disrespect there. You know. No, I no, I didn't take it like that at all. Yeah, um, but it it just it just kind of was a match because like I like you were saying we didn't see any build up to it and we didn't even know that this was the you know kind of a thing here so um you know and the fact that they had the heel win I guess because well the the you know you had basically two two with among the matches that we saw two of them were won by the baby faces and two of them were won by the heels so split the difference I guess right. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Um, you can, we can go on now. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I believe after this, the the next thing we saw was a little bit of a recap of yeah. the whole Bret Hart, um, yeah, Razor they Ramon recapped it thing with the the attack on, and Bret talked about this in the episode of Monday Night Raw that we covered where you know uh, Razor attacked, um, Stu. I believe he attacked Owen, um. Razor did the whole, you know, once again, he, he did the, uh, I'm going to have gold on my fingers, gold around my fingers, gold around my neck. And after tomorrow, Chico, gold around my waist. At not at work, of course. <laughs> We were me and and my coworker were basically saying it, and one of our other coworkers was looking at us like we were crazy, because we were saying it along, <laughs> along with him <laughs> at work. Not today, of course. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> um. So, this I wanted to go back and rewatch this match because. I did get a little distracted during it. Everything I saw was very positive. Um, you know, there's there's been word for a very long time that, you know, the the click, which wasn't officially in existence at this point, only because um uh the only people that were here were Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I believe uh Kevin Nash was still in WCW at that time. Um, I believe. Oh yeah, that's um, right. I believe. I don't even know if if uh, Triple H was in either promotion at the time. I think he might have still been training uh, before he debuted for WCW as Terra Rising. 
Um, and so the click wasn't really a thing. But one thing that you would hear, of course, a lot in later years was that the click would often, you know, kind of sit down either amongst themselves or, you know, with a combination and, and sometimes with Vince McMahon, sometimes with Pat Patterson and what have you. And it would basically be along the lines of we, you know, here's a list of guys that can work. And here's, you know, mm-hmm. that that we want to work with, because a lot of people always say that that mm-hmm. the click guys sort of just worked with each other for the most part. Yeah. You know, you know, you might get like an undertaker thrown in there or what have you. But that's what it was, was they would and and, you know, obviously because of the the real life tension between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels later, a lot of the um, a lot of that backlash would kind of fall on the click and Brett from both sides. You know what I mean? But now Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Scott Hall has always spoken 99% highly of Brett in terms of his Mm in-ring work and what have you. Um, And so they were always positive about each other. And this seems to be kind of pre that, but this is one of those instances where it wasn't a click guy, but it was a guy that they consistently said, you know, we don't like him. We don't, you know, whatever, but Brett can work, put us in a program with him. You know what I mean? That's, that's the funny thing about it was that all of that, you know, vitriol that they had for one another, it, it, uh, it also kind of like, again, it's that weird thing of chemistry of like, even though he and Shawn Michaels just hated each other, their matches were out of this world. Great. For the most part. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, their work together was just fantastic to watch. And even as a viewer, like as a kid, it was just amazing to see. So. And I think, and again, they didn't hate each other, but I think the same can be said here where, you know, with, with Bret Hart and, and yeah. Razor Ramon, where you could just yeah. see that they have a really good chemistry with each other. You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah. yep. They, they're, if if someone said in the 90s you know because obviously what a you know what professional wrestling was then especially wwe sort of what it is now it's yeah. different you know very, what i mean that you, you ever the audience wants different things you know and things like that and but if you were to say sort of you know the best professional wrestlers or whatever I I find it hard to think that anybody would not have Brett or Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, whatever you want to call them, on mm-hmm. their on their list because they mm-hmm. sell very well. They yes. they give, you know, good facial expressions. They, you know, like the like Razor limping, you know what I mean? Like because Brett yeah. kept working the leg and yep. you know yep. it was I mean that's that's something that you don't see a lot of today is just one, just focusing on one, like, you know, one aspect of the person and, and, and just drilling it in on them, you know, like, like keep on going to that leg or keep going to that shoulder or what have you. I, I feel like that's something that's, you know, very much a product of the past. Now it seems like. Yes. And, but I think this is the kind of match that shows what you can what you can get it's the second longest match on the card yep yeah um and i mean brett wins 
I want to say obviously mostly because we know that Razor Ramon, unfortunately, as Razor Ramon or as Scott Hall, never really got a major championship run championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, if I had to say, if I had to pick best match, this would probably fall at a very close number two. Yeah. I think the Shawn Michaels one was probably the best. Agreed. But I think similar to how we said before about like Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, and some Mm -hmm. people say them and some people say JR and the King. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it's like, ooh, that's a really tough one. Like, I feel like if you were to ask me what was the best match on this, it it's worth having the debate, I think, between the Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty match and the Bret Hart, Razor Ramon match. Like, I think they were both great and they both showed how good these four workers could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I thought that the you know just giving us that little recap before the match was really good. Uh Brett's promo was was good. It was good enough, you know, for what it was. Um Stu and Helen Hart being there of course was always a, a, that was a, pretty much a staple of Brett's matches during that time. Um I love the bit before the match where Brett goes and he gives the the little kid like his his you know his visor and then Razor looks at him and just goes like puts his hands up like okay and then like just goes and throws the toothpick at the little kid. I was like Razor Ramon is a freaking genius. It's so funny. It's like not funny if you're that kid, but it's so funny. Um, you know, it's just heel tactics once again. Um, and, uh, during the match, um, of course, Brett's selling, you know, like he's the most hurt guy in the world and razor having the upper hand for most of the match was, I think a good tactic because, you know, once again, it it sells Brett as kind of the underneath guy, um, you know, defending his championship and sort of defending his family's honor and all that stuff and having to fight from the, the, the uh you know having to fight to win um well, that's, just works yeah, that's, for me that's classic stories and not just classic wrestling classic. But that's classic storytelling classic right? storytelling indeed. the bad guy has the upper hand the whole time and like yep. you said he's fighting from underneath and this is for my family's honor and then at yep. the very end he he very he, end he has a flurry of offense and he wins right um and of course the sharpshooter which i think has always been one of my favorite submission holds um Bobby the Brain Heenan is gold on commentary. Uh, and uh, at one point, uh, when Razor had the upper hand, Bobby Heenan says, I can smell the machismo oozing out of Razor Ramon. Which is one of the funniest lines delivered perfectly straight by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, uh, as much as as much as I agree, Bobby Heenan is gold. Yes. And I, and I want to hear you know, the rest of your thoughts on this match, I'm just going to sure, say sure, sure. in the next segment, he goes platinum. I'm just going to, Oh my God. Way. Yes, absolutely. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I just <laughs> thought that that was one of the funniest lines of, of the night was when he said, I can smell the machismo oozing out of razor remote. And I'm sitting here like, my God, that sounds like something that you need a, you need some medication for. Um, but you know, yeah, Brett, Brett wins, of course. Like, I, I think that was fairly, you know, the way that that was going to go. I don't think that shocked anybody really. Um, but uh, a very, very good match. Um, I think uh, those two can work together day and night and I'll watch it. So 
Um, Absolutely. Moving on then. <laughs> Shall we talk about this? Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about Bobby the Brain Heenan getting up and leaving the broadcast booth to go and unveil the Narcissus, so uh, also you... known as 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 Lex Luger, of course. So if you don't know the story, and yes. for anybody listening who doesn't know the story, yes, it basically goes like this. In 1992, beginning, well, end of 91, beginning of 92. Um, well, okay, let's go back a little further. Sometime, I believe it was 91, um, someone new took over WCW, uh, Jim Hurd, uh, who word is he didn't have a whole lot of experience in wrestling he did have experience in television despite what people want to say um, but he didn't have a whole lot of experience in wrestling takes over wcw one of the things that he allegedly said but i believe he has claimed that it's not that it was more said in a joking way but one of the things allegedly that he he wanted to do was cut rick flair's hair and give him an earring and refer to him as Spartacus. Ric Flair basically said, F that, I'm leaving. And back in those days, the world champion uh, had to pay, especially in the NWA days, and they and WCW was kind of in this weird thing where they were the NWA, but they weren't the NWA because it was like kind of in the beginning of the Ted Turner thing, but it's a whole legal thing i won't necessarily get into but they used to have to put a deposit down of i believe like twenty five hundred dollars or twenty five thousand dollars or something like that they used to have to have to put a deposit down on the championship and it was basically um they put this deposit down and they had the championship and then when they lost the championship they got that deposit back because while you're out traveling as the traveling world champion, you're responsible for that title. So if it gets lost or stolen or damaged or what have you, you're responsible. So you put a deposit down on it. Makes perfect sense. Well, he wanted to leave. He being Ric Flair wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. And Jim yeah. Hurd said, no. And Ric Flair said, well, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take the belt. Jim Hurd said, mm -hmm. well, you're definitely not going to take the belt. And he said, give me my money back. Jim Hurd said, no, I'm not giving you your money because you're leaving. And so Flair took the title and did the whole real world champion thing on WWF TV, which they eventually had to blur because of a court case and all this other stuff, which is mm -hmm. one of the first times on screen that things began to get heated with the WWF and WCW. Vince had pulled some tactics with regards to pay-per-view, things like that a few years earlier. But on screen, that was one of the first big things of somebody jumping sort of from one promotion to the other and making a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. So then in 1992, Lex Luger wanted to leave WCW and mm -hmm. also go to WWF because, you know, he thought he wasn't being utilized properly and he didn't like management and all that stuff. And basically WCW gave him his release uh, early from his contract, because that's what it was. was It was actually an early release, but he wasn't allowed to perf like to wrestle in WWF. That was the condition of his relief, uh, release. So Vince, being the 
and I'm I, some people may disagree with this, especially given the current state in uh, January of 2023. I'm not going to go into that right now, but given the current <laughs> state of things in yeah. in business in WWE, Vince yeah. is not the worst businessman. He's actually very smart. He actually is a very creative person, I think. Um, and he had a, a separate company, kind of, at the time that you may remember, called the WBF, the World yes. Bodybuilding Federation. Yes. Because yes. Vince has always been a body guy. Like, always. Of course he know, has. That's always been his thing. You have to look the part, you know, you have to you have to look yep. like a wrestler. You have to look like you're cut from stone. Yep. You have to, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So Lex Luger signed with the World Bodybuilding Federation. In mm -hmm. which case, he was still able to appear on TV with Vince McMahon. He was still able to appear on WWF TV as a representative for the World Bodybuilding Federation, but he was not allowed to wrestle until the year was up. So then around, you know, late 92, early 93, they took him off television to then unveil him here. As the narcissist, as or the, the narcissist, narcissist later, or the narcissist, as yes. he calls himself. Yes. So in this segment, yeah, just wanted to give that little bit of backstory because very I, interesting. I thought I don't know if you knew that, but I always think that that's interesting. No, that that's kind of yeah. how this came to be is because it was partly he got out of his contract over there and what have you, um, yeah. and also because he had been. For the year prior or so, he had been sort of a, I don't know what his exactly his role was, because I don't really even re really remember how the WBF kind of went. I don't understand the concept of bodybuilding, generally speaking. Is it just, because it's not a strongman competition, I don't believe. It's mostly just, it's I can mostly... pose with my muscles better than you can. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, I don't know if Basically. he was like a commentator or of whatever he was but that was basically his thing for the year leading into this was he was all about i, I think he was a competitor or something i don't know but uh but, lex luter i mean but, but that um, was that was his thing in in the year leading up to this was he was in the world bodybuilding federation yeah so it kind of yeah. made sense that he would come here go and look at my body but mm -hmm. oh my gosh you always said it, I, and i said it before bobby heenan goes platinum with all the things that he says and the funniest thing is because we've heard is... over the years how vince and again i said it just a moment ago how vince mcmahon is such a a body guy uh-huh it's all i could and i don't know if they had it back then but all i could picture you know like now we well not now now but you know we've heard over the years about how vince is in the the commentator's ears say this say that say this say that it felt like everything that he said was just Vince McMahon feeding him lines. Look you at think his so? legs. Look at it. I mean, oh yeah, that God. that was funny. That was hilarious. I gotta like say, everything it's the funniest segment on the show. That's uh, in my notes. I put it's the funniest segment on the show. Hey everyone, it's James, recurring guest on Paul and All. Just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and All available right now on Content Club. In it. Paul and I discuss a failed pilot, How I Met Your Dad. We were prepared for How I Met Your Father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed, so go check it out right now at Content Club, only at patreon.com forward slash clock shows. Thank you. 
Um, you have a reason to love yourself. Oh, was my. one of the I... funniest lines that I've ever heard. And and Lex Luger just like sitting there and looking in the mirrors at himself and just primping, you know, and just kind of doing the whole like it it was just incredible to me. And of course the the the, the nonstop peck flexing. <laughs> I I oh my gosh. Oh my like I God. wanna take somebody who, who is like a peripheral wrestling fan or <laughs> uh, like it doesn't whether they're whatever, or maybe just like a fan of like some newer stuff or whatever, and I want to just maybe so I sh- maybe I should do that. Maybe that could be like a content club exclusive, oh, dear God. or just find oh, dear somebody God. and have like them reacting to just this clip, nothing just else, this one clip. nothing else on the on the card, just well, this one I mean, clip. You think you think that Bobby Heenan's in love with this guy? It, it's just, well, he has a reason to. The funniest. Everyone bit. else is jealous. Well, he has of a him. reason. <laughs> Everyone else is jealous. Yes, it's so funny. It's just the funniest freaking thing. Oh also, one of the funniest bits was uh, uh, when he turns to him and he says, and he says, and now let the world hear the beautiful, melodious tones out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I, I love, I'm not trying to cut the, the conversation of the segment short, but I, I love at the end where he just, oh, the curtain is lowering and Bobby, yes, is just trying. He just drops down further and further. Yeah, so he, it is. He, please, like, so- please, let's see one more shot of the legs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's pleading with the cameraman. It is freaking hilarious. He like we- literally holds up the curtain. It's so funny. I want to. I want to take Best a moment of where, the uh, show. I want to take a moment to point out the fact that there were, and it's. I get it. There was like three or four cameras, but there were definitely yeah. certain times where Lex Luger didn't know which camera to look into. Yes, yes. He's telling the cameraman, like, come here, you know, come closer. And it, that wasn't the camera that was on him. <laughs> that wasn't the camera that was on him. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. And then when you hear the the melodious tones, it's like it's just Lex Luger just full on screaming about Mr. Perfect. It was great. Well, I mean, let's not forget that... Um... You know the 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 Monday Night Raw after this, it's a because obviously Bobby Heenan is with uh, is beyond perfect. What's that? When he says my physique is beyond perfect, <laughs> um, but let's not forget Bobby Heenan it's is great. is managing Ric Flair, and they have turned against yep or Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect turned against them, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and uh, they're Perfect. about to have a a loser leaves WWF match. That's right. That's you know right. what I mean? So, so obviously setting up the next feud. Right. <sighs> but but uh, yeah, that was no, one of absolutely, absolutely the, yeah, best. the best. The best segment on the whole thing. Forget the inauguration. Forget the Elvis Presley stamp. This is Narcissus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then when he comes back to the to the broadcast table and he's sitting there with Gorilla Monsoon and he goes and he goes, did you see? Did I unveil him or did he I goes, unveil yeah, him? Yeah, Gorilla like, Monsoon is like recapping. He's like, oh, we're going to have this and blah, 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 blah. And Bobby Heenan's like there and he has his hands up and he's like so excited to say something. And Gorilla Monsoon looks at him and he goes, did I unveil him or what? Or something like that. He's <laughs> Oh my God! Bobby the Brain Heenan was gold on this entire show. Oh my like, gosh. Just... just the funniest so after that how do you follow up the unveiling of narcissus how do you follow that up 
let me let me ask you that. How how do you follow that? With a big announcement, a second big announcement, of course. A special proclamation from Caesar and Cleopatra. Queen of the because Nile. WrestleMania. As they kept saying, Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile. Queen like... of the Nile. Because <laughs> WrestleMania is taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Not Nevada, Nevada. At Caesar's Palace, of course. Of course. And let me tell you something, though. I mean, I wasn't expecting much from this segment, but I did get a few laughs because Cleopatra, first of all, is looking down her nose at everybody, and it's hilarious. And secondly, that Caesar guy actually did a pretty decent job. He's like, a very you know, good announcer. I don't know who he I was, was a sucker for that. I got to say, like, I was like, OK, this dude's got he's legit. Now, he well, had was, some uh, what what was it Mel- melodious tones or he what? had some melodious tones. He had more <laughs> melodious tones, I think. At least he didn't come out there and just be like, oh, "I'm Caesar." Uh, no, but you know, uh, I'm a sucker for the whole like let's play a role and let's have the old English and all that stuff. So it was pretty fun to hear that that old thing. like, ladies, gentlemen, countrymen, Romans, you know. Like, lend me your ears. It was funny. Uh, just reminded me of Ace Ventura. Um, but you know, it was it was a good it was it was fun. It was fun. It was just funny. My my uh, you know, my my mom had seen that uh before also, and she was just like sitting there going, like, wow, people really like to be taken out of reality, don't they? And I'm like, Yes, it's escapism. Yes, that is the real Caesar. And the real Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile. Yes. Of course. As Queen we of the Nile. I just love that. Queen of the Nile. <laughs> Queen of Denial. Um, so after that, we have the main event. We have our Royal Rumble match. So what I did for this was in my notes was I took down um all of the contestants as they entered in, in order here, and uh, and also tried to take down the order in which they were eliminated. So hopefully I got that right. Um, but uh, the announcers, of course, were like, okay, who's going to be number one? And of course, the number one is the nature boy, Ric Flair. The winner of the previous Royal Rumble. Exactly. So they start him off. He gets us. He gets the, the Rumble started here. And the number two guy is a guy that uh, that I remember uh, seeing him back in the day, uh, you know, wrestle on, on television. I mean, Bob Backlund. Good old howdy doody. Good old. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, it's funny because <laughs> I I made the comment. Um, well, I mean, so I'm not the biggest Bob Backlund fan. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Like he was. Mm-hmm. And we said before about, you know, sort of uh you know real amateur wrestling and you know professional wrestling sports entertainment sort of thing and and Bob Backlund is at least you know the stories I've heard is that he was a little more old school in terms of yes uh alleged I believe it was he allegedly didn't want to drop the title the world title to Hogan which is why the she you know the Iron Sheik won it and then that's who Hogan won it from and whatever and um but really what this opening of the of the rumble was to me was yeah. the wwf champion 
versus the NWA champion, which they did ah, many times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's what this was to me. And I yeah. don't mean that in a negative way, because I've actually seen these two wrestle a few times when they were both their respective champions uh, for their respective uh-huh. promotions back, you know, maybe a, a decade or two prior to this. But that's what this, you know, not symbolized, but that's what, what I kind of saw was that, uh, you know, the, the WWF champion versus the N or even the WWF champion versus the NWA champion. Just thought that yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very cool. And I think that they started it off really well. Um, I expected Flair to last a little longer than he did, uh, but uh, Bob Backlund, certainly, they they kept him in there for a long, long time. Um, The third contestant in the Royal Rumble was Papa Shango. Uh, he came in and was eliminated fairly quickly. <laughs> I'm looking at a guys. I'm looking at a uh, a chart here that gives his time at about 28 seconds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Poor Papa Shango should have brought some more uh, witchcraft with him or something or some voodoo dolls or something, I don't know. Maybe some uh I don't know. Anyway. Um <laughs> Should have done that old shoe bursting into flames thing that he did on Superstars a <laughs> couple of years before. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I expected, again, I expected him to stay in for longer than that. But, wow, 28 seconds. Jeez. So the fourth guy to come out was uh, Million Dollar Man with Jimmy Hart, interestingly. Yeah, um, I don't know what that was about. I don't know either. Because Jimmy Hart was was with him and and with IRS later on, so that was strange. Um, but anyway, so Million Dollar Man did last quite a while in there. He was, uh, you know, they of course being the two heels, they double teamed. Uh, Bob Backlund tried to get him out of the ring. The fifth guy was Brian Knobs, one half of the Nasty Boys, um, coming in there going after Million Dollar Man because apparently. The Nasty Boys and Money Inc. Money Incorporated have been having a, a feud at that point. So were the Nasty Boys sort of like baby faces at that point? I or were, truly were don't like, remember. I don't know because it seemed like the crowd was sort of cheering him on, but you know, but he didn't seem to have uh, any loyalty towards Backlund. He was just going after DiBiase. So, um, the number six guy was Virgil. Um, which, you know, is interesting. Uh, I used to work for, you know, DiBiase and stuff. They used to be in cahoots. And, uh, of course, you know, they were going at each other. Um, so in my notes, uh, Brian Knobs is the second guy to be eliminated by, uh, by Million Dollar Man. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure of the timeline of that. I'm not sure if that happens like during, at this point, or maybe a little bit later on but uh anyway he's the second guy out um, uh yes brian knobs yes yeah so the number seven competitor is jerry the king lawler so i have to read you something that i just saw i was i was uh sure i was well partly i was looking up to see who played cleopatra okay, the okay. couldn't find okay. it but i did find some interesting trivia bits from imdb okay. One of which about Jerry Lawler Uh is that um, apparently on an episode 
of Legends of Wrestling, Pat Patterson revealed that moments before Jerry the King Lawler was supposed to go to the ring, he went to grab his trademark crown, only to discover that someone had defecated in it, forcing Lawler to go to the ring without it. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what the? Was that a rib? Uh, maybe. Oh, dear. That's disturbing. Okay, so poor Terry Lawler with no crown, and I don't blame him for that. Uh, the number seven guy. Uh, number eight, what have I, you know, kind of kind of in retrospect, one of my favorite wrestlers, <laughs> Max Moon. Conan. Yeah, Conan. How about that? Oh boy. All right. So yeah, there you go. Um Yeah, so Max Moon comes out there. I believe he is the third elimination. Um let me... I don't know if he lasted very long. It didn't seem like he did. He was the third, yes. He was the third elimination. Okay, so why do I have it listed as fifth elimination? I don't know. I was on drugs. Okay. Um Whoa. the next and <laughs> Tylenol people, Tylenol. The next uh, competitor, the number nine competitor that we have out here, you can leave that in, by the way, um, was a, a Japanese wrestler. And please forgive me because everybody was mispronouncing his name. Uh, it, um, ten, Tanaru or Taneru or something or Tamaru or I don't know. Um, I'm so sorry. They did not, you know, they didn't flash like a little, a little. Uh, like a little thing with his name on it. Um, so I'm not really sure who this wrestler was. I wasn't too familiar with Japanese wrestling back in the day. Um, uh, it's it well, te yeah, I've always heard it as Tenru. Um, Tenru. Okay, he uh, let's see. Um, he was with All Japan. Uh, he had two cents with All Japan, where he spent the majority of his career while also I'm reading right from Wikipedia, while also promoting Super World of Sports, Wrestle Association R, and Tenru Project. Um, at the time of his retirement, professional re professional wrestling journalist and historian Dave Meltzer wrote that quote, one could make a strong mm. case that Tenru was between the fourth and sixth biggest native star, unquote, in the wow. history of Japanese professional wrestling. Yeah. Okay, for forgive me because I I was completely unaware. Um, even back in the day, I did not I didn't follow it too closely because you know I was living in Hawaii. We didn't really watch. Uh, there wasn't too many opportunities to watch Japanese wrestling, or at least not that I recall. Um, so part of me, I'm sorry to to interrupt, but part of me thinks there would be <clears throat> more than there would be for like a kid like me here in Pennsylvania. But right. then the other, but then the other other part of me goes, hmm history may say that there was more reason to not have it there though you know well i mean no well we had like a, a there like were like tension, Japanese tension wise i mean stations tension and, wise. and tv stations and things like that back you know back there but um but i just don't recall there being too many like i i think there were but i think it was like it was certain like i didn't get it at the time like as part of like the cable package or what have you you know the the amount of channels that we had maybe it was part of that or something so um 
but yeah, but because of proximity, you know, you would think that. But uh, I just, I just didn't recall Tenru. Um, so yeah, forgive me for that. But um, but you know, he came in there. He lasted for a while, actually. So not not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, now. Okay, now I'm completely thrown off because I I I so, think it was Flair who was the next elimination. Uh so who did we just have? We had um Papa Shango was the uh, Tenru first. came out. Oh no. So you are you yeah, are correct. So so Flair then we have the, the number fourth. 10 competitor here for this match. It was Mr. Perfect. But it was perfect who eliminated him, so it was obviously after that point. So Flair, uh, Flair was still in the match at the time, and then Mister Perfect comes to the ring, and of course goes right after Flair because you know as a build up to their match on on Raw, which is the next night. Um. So of course you know Perfect going after Flair, he actually eliminates Ric Flair, which was interesting, to say the least. Um. What I'm trying to figure out now is who was eliminated after Flair. Hmm. Uh, actually, it was the next person that was in, which was Skinner. Oh, Skinner. Okay. Skinner, okay. which is um, Steve Kern, for those unaware. Um, I had to look this up oh. while I was watching it. Um, he was one half of the Fabulous Ones with Stan Lane. And at one oh, point, geez. he also wow. uh, was one of the people who portrayed the Doink the Clown character. No kidding. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. Because there were several people over the years. But yes, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah, so Skinner... Skinner was number 11. So he comes in and then he gets eliminated by Mr. Perfect. So yes, as the fifth <laughs> another uh, elimination. Uh, this is the fifth. OK. OK. So. Then our number 12 competitor is of is one Coco Beware. <laughs> uh yeah. Coco Beware comes in, just uh one half know, of high thing. energy as they made sure. One half of high energy. Note. Um who was the next one eliminated? I believe it was Jerry the King Lawler, who was number the six, Jerry Lawler, six, eliminated actually. by Mr. Perfect. So I, I somehow got that wrong and put him as the uh, the seventh elimination. But anyway, sixth elimination, Jerry the King Lawler. Once again, Mr. Perfect. Uh, next on the list is one half of the head shrinkers is uh, is Samu. Uh, comes out there. And dragged to the ring, if you will. Dragged to Alpha. the ring, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I just love the fact that he's, you know, they got the manager that just beats them up to get them all into, you know, into their fighting mode. It's pretty funny. Um, next up, we have the 14th competitor who is the Berserker. And all I have to say to that is Huss, Huss, Huss. And uh, he comes out and we have, who was the next elimination? Uh, it was Virgil Indeed. actually eliminated by Virgil. the Berserker. Virgil eliminated by the Berserker. Okay. So Virgil's out, and I don't think that's a shock to anybody. Um, the next one, though, was a little bit of a shock. Uh, Mr. Perfect, as I have it listed here. 
Um, is that correct? Or am I off by one? You are Mr. Perfect elimination number eight by okay. Lawler, Ware, and DiBiase. And DiBiase. And this was after he eliminated Lawler, and so Lawler's interfering and keeping him from getting back in the ring. So that's a little dirty tactics there, but uh, but they do count it as the elimination. So Mr. Perfect is out. Um. So the Berserker comes in, and then number 15, who was, I think, one of the favorites to win this, was The Undertaker, who comes in with Paul Bearer, of course. Um, goes after, you know, Berserker and whatnot. Uh, kind of takes out a bunch of people, actually. Um, let's see here. Let me let me go down my list. I have it, too, if you need it. Uh yeah, who is the next guy that got eliminated? I think it's Samu, so, right? Undertaker eliminates Samu, yes. Yep. Um, and then Undertaker eliminates Tenru. Tenru has gone. DiBiase eliminated Coco Beware. Yep. Coco Beware. There you go. Um, that's number eleven. And then we have uh terrific Terry Taylor coming in as number sixteen. The number sixteen entrant. <laughs> who gets, of course, summarily eliminated by the Undertaker. No, Terry Taylor. It's, I have here it was eliminated by DiBiase. Oh, was it DiBiase? I'm sorry. See, there you go. It, it was moving so fast, and I barely took my notes well, um, obviously. Uh, okay, so then we have the 14th guy. Who else? No. Who do we have here? Wait, I think we're. I think we need to go back just a moment. Okay. Because... Okay, let's go back. So Terry Taylor was the twelfth person eliminated. Twelfth person, okay. Who was by DiBiase? The thirteenth was DiBiase eliminated by the Undertaker. Uh, okay, which that's of course is ironic on. because DiBiase yep. is the one who introduced the Undertaker. But by of this course. point, that was a few years ago, so we're we may not supposed we're maybe not supposed to remember that because we're wrestling. Yeah, games we're not supposed to remember everything. Yeah, we're not supposed to remember <laughs> certain things. Right, um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then the 14th elimination is also the 14th entrant, which is mm -hmm. Berserker. Berserker, yeah. So, and then so the... Undertaker basically comes in and just cleans house, essentially. Right. Until... the Well, so uh, the 17th entrant is technically <laughs> Damien Demento. Entrant. Oh, no, yeah. I have it as... It's technically Damien Demento. It's technically Damien Demento. But there is another guy. This is the one. A, as he's walking to the ring, I I call. I didn't call over a coworker because we weren't watching it at work. <laughs> obviously, of course, of course, obviously, obviously um, not. And uh, I didn't say something along the lines of "Look at this." <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Giant uh, Gonzalez yeah. came out, uh, formerly uh, formerly Elegante in WCW, Elegante, um, and pro I'm not gonna lie, like I think I, I I truly think that Skinner's outfit dumb. I think the the Berserker outfit dumb, <laughs> but this. <laughs> This freaking rubber suit painted <laughs> to look like I'm gonna I'm get on my soapbox here for a minute, Keona. Just bear with me. This do, freaking rubber suit thing painted <laughs> to look like muscles 
with patches of fur <sighs> in the on the forearms, the shoulders, <laughs> the crotchular area, mm, like yeah. what, the kneecaps, I think, and then yeah. like furry boots, yeah. but like the 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 painted muscles are what get me every time. I know, that gets me. What? Because how are you trying to sell this? How are you trying to sell this? Like, you can clearly tell he's wearing it. Right. It's a suit. Right. The ones, and this, I mean, this this guy, and I'm sorry because I know, I mean, we can't really spoil anything that's 30 years old, but, like, I, I don't want to, you know, upset people, but similar yeah. to how we're going to get more Rob Bartlett, we're going to get more Giant Gonzalez. Oh, uh, yeah. Before the year yeah, is sure. over. Unfortunately, sure. can't do anything. Couldn't really move or anything like anything. that. No. The only no. thing that, that this had going for it, and it was funny because it sparked a conversation not at work, was <laughs> <laughs> uh, realistically what it was was Undertaker was kind of in a thing with manager Harvey Whippleman, which is who mm -hmm. escorted Giant Gonzalez out to the ring. Yeah. And they made it clear multiple times, not an entrant. But not an is, entrance. No. What is this? You know, sort of thing. So, I, you know, that bears the question. If you'll excuse that slight pun, um, how does Undertaker get eliminated by this guy? What do you mean? Because wasn't he kind of like? I mean, after the, he's kind of like gone, right? Like, couldn't he have come back towards That's what the I end of the? Too. Yeah, because I don't think he went over the. I don't think he went over the ropes. I don't, well, even if he did, it was Giant Gonzalez is not an official entrance. So how could that work? Couldn't he have oh, come back towards one... the end and just taken on Yokozuna or double teamed Yokozuna with Macho Man or something? There I was, mean, I don't know. There was one the one year I can't remember what year it was where it was. I want uh, if it were for the fact that we just watched ninety three, I probably would have guessed it would have been ninety three. I want to say it might be like ninety five or something where they they were working with some talent from one of the two promote two major promotions in in Mexico yeah. and yeah. the guy got up on the top rope and eliminated himself by jumping out of the ring i believe onto Randy Savage or something like that so i guess, I and, guess that's like a thing <laughs> yeah so that's all i mean that's always been a thing they don't have to be eliminated by somebody in the match yeah but he takes a beating to undertaker like they even say as undertaker is kind of walking up the ramp which i want to get to that in just a moment but um mm -hmm. they say like because undertaker selling the the leg injury and whatever and yeah, they say like this is the first time that he appears mortal to us yeah you know he's supposed yeah. to be undead and i said i go yeah i'm there going look at the size of that guy. i go the guy i go the, i go not that guy not that's undead wizard man we're fine with him but this other weirdo looking painted on muscle furry dude i'm like i'm like undead wizard man in real life is like six four five six something like that look how short he looks in comparison to giant gonzalez <laughs> you know yeah but the thing that got me he's there undertaker <laughs> And I've said Undertaker is my favorite, right? So yes. I, I say this. With... <laughs> he's laying because he's you know he's been he's been taken out. And yeah, he's, he's been taken out. Laying like he's one like, leg on either side of the he's, the ring he's basically, post, but he's, he's inside got the ring, whatever. 
He's, he's, he's gone. kind of on the apron. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> and somebody runs over. His, his little old Paul Bearer runs it's over. Paul Bearer. And he's just there holding up the, the earth. And you literally hear say the power of the earth. Oh my gosh, do it again. Oh man, that was that was fan fantastic. That was one of my favorite things, man. Can you can you do the voice again? Uh oh god. Uh, okay, so so he comes in there and he goes and he goes, The power of the earth, my undertaker. Yes. You know, it's like it's like it's it's that's just the clip. I, that's, the, that's the promotional clip for this episode. <laughs> I mean, that's great, but you know, I mean, yeah, the it's the power of the urn, obviously that that completely just woke up the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, he says it like three times, and under all of a sudden, Undertaker sit like does his sit up thing, which is a classic Undertaker move. I classic understand that he just kind of folds over and falls off the apron. Yeah. And then he like hops his way out. Now they and then it's he funny just gets back up. Yeah. When when he goes through the curtain, that's when they seem to say he's been eliminated. Yeah. So I wonder if before like because there's there's been other ones like that before yeah. and and yeah. after this as well, where somebody you know wasn't ever officially eliminated or you know whatever there's always things people make jokes about that around the, the time of the royal rumble where oh remember back to such and such where he wasn't actually eliminated or whatever so i wonder if it's just the concept of once they go through the curtain that's i guess them, because they're I off guess. you know what i mean like they're off of the floor because i believe we saw yeah. rick flair kind of slide out of the ring at one point yeah yeah he slid out and and bottom back rope or something and he was fine yeah yeah so i wonder if that's yeah. sort of where that falls is once they go through the curtain that's what counts them as being eliminated or like maybe. forfeiting basically maybe maybe that's what it was i don't know but uh yeah that was pretty that was pretty funny oh my god i gotta say him him coming up there would be like the power of the earth Oh. Suddenly, that wakes up Undertaker. It's like, oh dear God! <laughs> oh, then, of course, hilarious! They, they made sure to tell us that that Giant Gonzalez was not the competitor. Not so it took me a few incident. minutes to realize who it was until I saw that it was Damian Demento. Yeah, 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 same. And, um, uh, and boy, talk about uh, talk about having your cold reception there. Damian Demento is just there all of a sudden. Yeah. And then the next guy coming out is, of course, Erwin R. Scheister, IRS, with Jimmy Hart, one half of Money Incorporated, um, comes in there. So the word and, was, uh, once upon a time, and I wish yeah. they would have done it, Yeah, but the word was that it was pitched that, I don't know when, I don't know what time frame, if I had to guess, it was probably around this, you know, like early to mid-90s, that they were going to do, or that they wanted to do Erwin R. Scheister and The Undertaker as a tag team. Wow. Called Death and Taxes. <laughs> because there's only two sure things in life. Death and Taxes. That would have been, no pun intended, that would have been phenomenal. That would have been really funny. Death like, I taxes. wish that happened. Jeez. I have nothing. I have zero <laughs> comments. Zero. Absolute zero. Okay. So IRS is out there. Now, this is one image. Okay, you will not hear me ever, ever 
uh, do an impression of Tatanka because, first of all, I can't do it. And secondly, because it's problematic. So Tatanka is our 20th uh, or 19th, excuse me, 19th entrant because Giant Gonzalez was, of course, not one. So he's our 19th entrant. Um, and uh, what did you think of Tatanka as a as a wrestler, as a pro wrestler? Just out of curiosity. In terms of the character, like I, I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't necessarily think of anything being like problematic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Like I didn't, I didn't understand. You know what I mean? It's like it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like it's like back in the day they did the 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 crying. I don't even know what the word I'm supposed to use now. The crying Native American crying native crying indian whatever however you want to do it the commercial right and it mm-hmm. was it was allegedly an italian american person that plays that character and people are like mm-hmm. well that's you know that shouldn't be whatever that's, i never yeah. necessarily like realized that stuff when i was a kid as i yeah. got older it's like okay a little, little weird yeah i remember tatanka as like a wrestler and i remember being like okay but it wasn't. It was kind of like the. They, they had him go on that undefeated streak streak for a while, right? But it was, where he was, it was like undefeated for a while. To me, he was kind because of, again, I was, I was more of I. I was a kid watching it. You know what I mean. So like to me, it was yeah. more like, oh, that's cool. But where's the Undertaker? Where's Bret Hart? Where's Shawn Michaels? Like the main event guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah. didn't, it wasn't until I got a lot older that I went back and sort of appreciated a lot mm-hmm. of the mid card or upper mid card guys. Yeah. Same. Same here. You know? Yeah. Tatanka was, he was kind of an upper mid card sort of guy, I would say. Yeah. Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties as well as festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, JustPlainCrazyFaceArt.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18 plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world. So even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. I thought he was fun to watch. I, I thought he was uh, pretty, pretty okay. Pretty decent. Yeah. Had personality. <laughs> But uh, so he comes in there. So there's basically like how many guys are there at this point? I would say like there's the three of them plus Bob Backlin, who's still in this match. Um, And that's pretty much it. Until we have the 21st uh, or the 20th. Excuse me. I have it. That's the 21st. The 20th entrant into the Royal Rumble, which is, of course, Jerry Sags, who is the other half of the Nasty Boys. Um, so he comes in there and, uh, at that point you have five competitors in the ring total. Now is, is this kind of in the area of where Bob Backlund sort of takes that, that move on the outside and kind of looks like he's out for a little bit. 
I think so. Yeah, like he takes like a like a super like a suplex or something on the outside on like the you know on like the concrete or something, and that kind of takes him out of the match for a little bit. Um and uh so the next competitor that we have is Typhoon, one half of the natural disasters. So he comes in, he's a baby face. So for baby faces, you've got basically you've got Bob Backlin who's out of it at this point. You've got Tatanka, Jerry Sags, sorta, kinda, maybe. Um, going after IRS, of course, because they're in their feud, and Damian Demento, who is of course a heel. IRS is a heel. Um then the next up, the next guy to come in, the 22nd entrant would be Fatu, the other half of the head shrinkers. Later known and to many of us as Rikishi. Rikishi. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. And of course, he gets uh his <laughs> gets beat up before he gets into the ring by his own trainer manager. Oh, um, yeah, that's Alpha of the uh That's Alpha. Of, yes, of the yes, Wild yes. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. So, you know, Alpha just, you know, kicks the crap out of him before sending him in the ring, as you do. Um, the 23rd entrant is Earthquake. Now, this was a little bit of a surprise here because Earthquake, who's the other half of the natural disasters, gets in the ring. And what does he do? The first thing he does is go after Typhoon, his own partner. Like, no, because there are else. no friends. There are no nobody friends. else, just his own partner. You would think they would team up to eliminate some guys, but no, it doesn't work that way. He goes after Typhoon and just like eliminates him. There are no friends in the Royal Rumble, but don't you want to team up and get the other guys out of there? Okay, anyway, regardless, um. You know, that was a that was an interesting little bit there. And of course, you know, they're planting the seeds possibly of a little of a little uh let's say tete tete between the two of them. Um now the next entrant into this, am I going too fast? Are we missing no. some eliminations here? No. At this point? Uh no, because so uh Undertaker was eliminated number fifteen. And yeah. at some point, I don't remember when it happens, but Typhoon is eliminated number 16 by yeah. Earthquake. By Earthquake, yeah. The next elimination, I know for a fact, hasn't happened yet because okay. it was eliminated by the next person that you're about to say. That's right. That's right. So number 24 is uh, another wrestler that I was not too familiar with back in the day. Uh, his name is Carlos Colon, who comes oh. in. Oh, Yes, I know. And uh, okay, go ahead. So Let's Carlos see. Colon, um, yes, the I believe owner, um, uh -huh. and I don't think he was necessarily the head uh, booker, the head writer, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he pretty much, you know, you hear people. We we we've talked before about like the different territories, things like that. He yes. is um, the Puerto Rico territory. Um, uh -huh. Dutch Mantel, who uh, a lot of people know as. Uh, Zeb Coulter and I mean obviously just as Dutch Mantel and various other things uh throughout the mm -hmm, years. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, he Mantel. was the the I believe like either the head writer or like the co-booker or what have you. Um I believe a lot of people nowadays and over the last several years would know Carlos Colon as the father of Carlito Caribbean Cool, who spits in the face of people who don't want to be cool in the ruthless aggression era of WWE and the father of one Spits of in your the, face, does he? what's that? Spits in your face. Does he? 
Do you remember? Do you not remember? Oh, you probably weren't watching. I don't. At that no, point. no, I wasn't watching. No, I wasn't yes. watching during the ruthless aggression era. Which is funny because I was talking with someone recently, and I was like, I we were telling that story, and they were like, well, "He spits in your face," and we were like, "Only, <laughs> only if you don't want to be cool." Because he mm, spits in mm. the face of people who don't want to be cool. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so then today mm-hmm. we got to yeah, watch uh, yeah. his father uh, wrestle here. Um, he's also the father of um, one of the, there's uh, a team over the last few years, Primo and Epico. Mm-hmm, he's the, fa- mm-hmm. he's the father of one of them and the uncle to the other. Cause they're, those two are cousins. And one of them is the brother of Carlito anyway. Um, yeah, uh-huh. definitely like uh, a, a huge, star in puerto rico not necessarily i don't want to say like the old nwa days but kind of that yeah very much like more not necessarily known to the american audience as much but um a little bit more known to a little more of an international audience for sure Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well i mean he does put on a good showing here because he comes in and basically eliminates damian demento so So uh, that is our next elimination. Um, The next guy to come into the Royal Rumble of that year of 93 was, of course, El Matador, Tito Santana. Uh, He comes in there and basically who's our next elimination here is. So it would be number 18, which is Fatu eliminated by Bob Backlund. And then. Okay. Elimination, I don't know when it happens, but I know that elimination number 19 is Erwin R. Scheister by mm-hmm. Earthquake. Earthquake, yeah. And then um, you said you just announced Tino, Tito Santana, correct? Tito Santana, yes. So okay, we're so not then there's no more the eliminations one, yeah. until two people from that. So after that, we have the 26th entrant, who is the model Rick Martel, one of my favorite heels of that era. Oh my gosh, um, yes. Yeah, very funny. Very funny. Arrogance. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. Um, After him, the 27th entrant is, of course, Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji. So and very similarly, again, I don't remember exactly when it happens, but similar to The Undertaker, Yokozuna comes in and clears house. Cleans house. Yep. Yep. Uh, because so Tatanka was eliminated, Gone. the 20th elimination by Yokozuna. Gone. Excuse me, Carlos Colon, then Earthquake, Gone. and Tito Santana. Gone. And all all by Yokozuna. All by Yokozuna. Yeah, he comes in there and just basically eliminates four guys without even breaking a sweat. Um, The next entrant is number 28. That would be the Rocket Owen Hart. Bret Hart's brother. I mean, Uh, yeah, if that's how you want to if that I mean, if that's how you want to think of them, sure. I mean, well, I mean, at the time, at the time, (laughs) I know I'm only I'm only kidding. The Rocket. The Rocket Owen Hart, yes, the Rocket. Wow, man, that was so long ago. Um, of course, one half of High Energy. You know, his partner had been eliminated by this point. So, um, but yeah, of course, Owen. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Owen. Owen is one of the greatest. Um, we all know that, and uh, and uh, just I loved Owen Hart. He was actually he was a he was even a good foil for his own brother, which I have to respect. So that was a, that was a fun, lot of a people... fun feud. 
a lot of people think that he's he was he was better. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was the high flyer of the group for sure. He was uh he had that great combination of being a great high flying sort of high impact wrestler and also being like technically proficient and just being like awesome to watch in the ring. So, yeah, I can absolutely see that. Um and of course, it makes me tear up a little bit because, man, I, I you know, that's just the whole sad thing what happened. Um, but, uh, you know, and watching that, like, I watched that Dark Side of the Ring episode that that was kind of talking about, you know, Owen's passing. Yeah. And uh, and that just really got to me. So, yeah, it makes me tear up a little bit just thinking about it because Owen was one of the greats. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to add anything to that? I or? mean, there it's, it's kind of what we talked about before, you know, like yeah. and I, I said, especially because only if it's in a negative way, do people talk yeah. about it? And I'm not saying anything negative about Owen, but a lot of people tried to use that as a negative way to portray professional wrestling, which is not mm -hmm. fair. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I believe it's in that dark side of the ring, um, I believe it's Jim Cornette makes the comment where the word is that the last thing that Owen said, because he knew he was falling and he knew, you know, yeah. it was get out of the way, yeah. get out of the way, because yeah. that's the kind of person he was. Notorious Ribber. Um, yeah. Maybe that'll notorious. be the word for the next episode. Uh, but, yeah. um, you know, a, a, a notorious prankster, basically. And mm -hmm. um, and it would be just little stuff like there was one that I heard where I, I, I don't remember if it was British Bulldog or whoever it was, but somebody that used to have like little little tassels in their boots and, and things like that, kind of like uh, like Bulldog did. And every mm -hmm. night he would pull one little tassel out. And that was sort of like his thing. So then each night, you know, it it wasn't something that you noticed at first, but then after maybe a week or so, you start to notice there's little holes where there, where there, where there should have been tassels yeah. in the boots or whatever. And yeah. it was just little stuff like that, you know, that that he would do. Um, and yeah. uh, again, because I was I was young, I didn't necessarily get to appreciate him as much yeah. as some other people. But now looking back, it's definitely there's there's three wrestlers that i often yeah. think and i go where would they you know because especially with you know aew and all this sort of stuff and i wonder like sort of where would they be in today's landscape of professional yeah. wrestling would they be still wrestling would they be behind the behind the scenes working as a as a coach or producer or whatever they call it now you know and the three are in no particular order but the three are eddie guerrero chris benoit and owen hart and yeah. i often wonder you know where would they be what would they be doing because you even yeah. got to look at if if that if what happened to owen hadn't happened would Bret Hart's career maybe have gone a little longer because he was, and he's kind of said it, but people have more said it about him because I don't think he's willing to admit a lot of things. That's a whole other conversation, but he went to WCW 
a little broken because of the Montreal yeah. screw job and because all of, of the that. Screw job. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, year and a half, two years, whatever it was later, yeah. he was, you know, part of his world was shattered because of yeah. what happened yeah. to his brother. And yeah. Yeah. I don't think his in-ring work was ever the same again. You know, a lot of people say it wasn't the same after Montreal. I'm not going to disagree, but I think there was a little less, no pun intended. It's a really bad joke. And I don't, I really truly don't mean it to say, to sound this way, but it's the only way that I could word it. There was a little less heart in it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, after, after both of those. Yeah. Things. So I, I mean, wonder I think, what would have happened I, with his I career, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, look, even I felt it and I, I have no real connection to it, but even I felt it. Right. Even I feel it now, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, that was, uh, that, that was something where I, I, I was openly, openly had tears in my eyes watching that dark side of the ring episode. And so, yeah, that's but anyway, Owen, mm. God love him. Rest in peace. Um, the... he, it, it's not it's not the best transition, but I'm going to do it anyway. He sure. did get an elimination here. Um, he did. The, the he did. 24th elimination uh, yeah. was Owen Hart eliminating Jerry Sags. Jerry Sags. Yep. <laughs> um, unfortunately, though, the 25th elimination was on was, Owen Hart. That was by that was it. Yokozuna. <laughs> Yokozuna. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next entrant that we have is number 29. So we're almost there. It's the repo man. Of course it is. Our new favorite wrestler. If you're, if you're also following along the Monday night raw rewatches. Absolutely. <laughs> the guy who steals the macho man's hat and says, this is your, this is your greatest love. Your great, your, your most prized possession. Your hat. This hat. Your hat right here. That, he also stole Rob um, Bartlett's car, if you remember. Which makes him our favorite. Obviously. Right. That's why I said that. <laughs> that's why he's our favorite wrestler because he just he repossessed his car. Yep. Lived we up don't to like his him. name, his the repo car man got did. Taken away and that's <laughs> all it takes. Oh, yeah, that's all it takes, really. I mean, you know, repo man. Hey, I'm with you, Simon Miller. He's our favorite now. Um <laughs> the final entrant. Did I miss anything? Did we miss any eliminations here? Nope, because the all? next elimination is of the Repo Man by <laughs> the Repo our Man. final so the, the 30th entrant into the Royal Rumble is the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah, the cream of the crop. Uh, comes in there, of course, immediately goes after the man who stole his hat, the Repo Man. The man who repossessed his hat, excuse me. Just a reminder that if you are enjoying these episodes but don't necessarily want all of these interruptions and advertisement-type breaks, you can get the episodes early and uninterrupted over at Content Club. Uh, that is patreon.com slash clockshelves, uh, where you get, of course, early uninterrupted versions of MCU and Me, Paul and All, Lost with Friends, you get uh, some exclusive stuff. You get some uh, promotional material early before even the social medias get it. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, throw some dough if you choose to do so. Very affordable tiers 
for the great content that you love, it is a great way to pass the time. And it's a great way to keep the mics and lights on. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so who eliminated Repo? Was it was it Macho or was it Yokozuna? I forget. I have it listed here as Macho Man eliminated Repo Man. Well, that's the 26th. That's um, fitting. Bob Backlund eliminated Rick Martell, 27. Wow. wow. Um, and then Yokozuna eliminated Bob Backlund, number 28. After Backlund being in there for how long? Like an hour? The, the, rec- the recorded time is one hour, one minute, and ten mm. seconds, which is, by the way, the uh Is that record- the standing record? I don't think it's the standing record, but it is. Uh, it says here, Bob uh, Bob Backlund broke the record for longest lasting wow. in a Royal Rumble, lasting one hour, one minute, and ten seconds. The record was previously held by Ric Flair, who set the record the previous year. Mm, yeah, makes sense. So but, wow. So and you know the funny thing about this is that when Backlund gets eliminated, and people were actually kind of booing that, like. It seemed like some of the people really wanted him to win, or or maybe they wanted him to to take down, you know, Yokozuna because Yokozuna is like the big, you know, heel monster guy. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I I thought I heard that, but anyway. So that leaves just two in the ring. You got Macho Man, and you have Yokozuna. And uh, I have to admit that. You know, Macho puts on a little bit of a show here. Um, he he seems to be hurt by Yokozuna and all that, and then he gets some flurries of offense in. He kind of like he brings Yokozuna down to one knee with a couple of double axe handles off the top rope, and then he kind of, you know, he manages to get him down. And and so Macho does this thing where he goes up to the top rope. He does his patented you know elbow drop off the top rope and you think it's over right or you think that he's got him on the ropes basically and and you think that that's about it and he goes for the cover this is a royal rumble yeah why would you go for the cover i i thought the exact same thing it was terrible so it was it was was awful when he goes on the so he goes for the cover, Yoko basically just kicks out, pushes him off and over the top rope, and Macho lands outside, and that is the end. Yokozuna is our winner. Um an odd ending to say the least. Because it seemed like Macho was just made made out to forget like why he was even there or what he was even doing. Completely terrible. Terrible ending, in my opinion. I, don't get I mean, that. it was, it was, it I was, a, it, it. it was, it was a decent rumble, not a great rumble, because yeah. there were certain people that I'm watching going, "Man, was the roster thin in 1993?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of was. But, but I mean, why? Well, okay, so here, let's think about this. Even, and I don't know, there might be a reason that I didn't see, but all right. Oh, so earlier we talked about Doink. Granted, he had the dark match, but we talked about Doink. Yeah. In the build up to, you know, just between the first two Monday Night Raws, we saw Crush. Where yeah. were those two? Why were they yeah. not in the Rumble? Why were they not there? I mean, Bam Bam and Big Boss Man, you could have had them in the Rumble. Right. <laughs> they had enough time with the Brett. They had uh, enough time. 
Razor Ramon match in between. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I did a I little bit of looking um, in terms <laughs> of the longest time spent in a single Royal Rumble. Now, if we're counting the greatest Royal Rumble, uh, which I don't know if you do or not, I kind of 50-50 on it, but that time is Daniel Bryan with one hour, 16 minutes and five seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, in an in an actual Royal Rumble proper, it's Rey Mysterio with one hour, two minutes and 12 seconds in the 2006 Rumble. Mm -hmm. uh, after that is Chris Benoit with one hour, one minute and 30 seconds in the 2004 Rumble. And then Bob Backlund with one hour, one minute and 10 seconds in 1993. So he's third or fourth place, depending on how you look at it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I also did take note of the fact that Yokozuna was entrant number 27, which yes, I believe has the most uh, the most wins come from that position, which <laughs> I believe is four. Uh, first person to wow. ever win at that number was Big John Studd in 1989. Big John Studd. And then um, Yokozuna here, and then um, uh, at least two more times, the number 27 entrant has won the Rumble. So, wow. statistical odds say, you know. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, a few other <laughs> little trivia bits that I've seen. Uh, let's see. Shawn Michaels Marty Jannetty match was Sherry Martel's return after I'm reading these ones off of IMDb, which is a user submitted site. Just want to make note of that because a lot of people anyway. Um it was <laughs> Sherry Martel's return after a three-month absence and Marty's last appearance for four months since he was fired the next day after being found passed out in the locker room. Oh wow. Yeah, kind of hinted at some oh. of the you know troubles earlier. Some of the troubles, yeah. Um, Bob Backlund broke the record, which we just said. Um, yep. It is the only WWF pay-per-view appearance for Carlos Colon until WrestleMania 30. Hmm. Um, wow. Oh, this one's kind of sad. The final WWF pay-per-view to feature Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan at the broadcast booth together. Oh. Um, I said the one that one earlier about Jerry Lawler's crown. Um. Oh, here's an interesting one. Tito Santana was the only wrestler to take part in the first six Royal Rumble matches. Uh huh. Um, wow. Jeez. Bob Backlund set a longevity record. Uh, it would stand until 2004 when Chris Benoit broke it by 21 seconds to win the Rumble. We just talked about that. Oh, I do have to make an apology on here. The Max okay. Moon character was originally designed for Conan, who left WWE. Uh, not long into the costume, Paul Diamond, formerly Cato in the Orient Express, took over the role primarily because he fit the costume. So it wasn't Conan here. Allegedly, it was Paul oh, Diamond. Okay. So I do apologize. Ah, interesting. Um, as we talked about on the previous episode to this, the Monday Night Raw discussion, um, this was the first Royal Rumble to feature the stipulation where the winner it's a WWF World Championship shot at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. um, because previously it was just sort of a, a thing you won or what have you. Um, this is the final in-ring Royal Rumble appearance for Ted DiBiase. 
This is the first Royal Rumble to not feature Hulk Hogan and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This is the final WWF pay-per-view appearance for Barry Darso, which is the Repo Man, and mm-hmm. Fred Ottman, which is either... Which one was Tugboat? Oh, Tugboat. Earthquake or Typhoon. Whichever one was Wasn't Tugboat. that Typhoon? I think that was Typhoon. Whichever one was Tugboat is Fred Ottman. Um, oh, actually, if I would have read the next sentence. Um, Fred Ottman until WrestleMania X7 in 2001. Um, it was Ottman's last pay-per-view match as Typhoon, if I would have just waited till the next sentence. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought, because he looked more like Tugboat. I thought he was Tugboat, honestly. I don't want to read the next one, because even though it's 30 years old, it's a spoiler for something that we're going to be talking about very soon. Okay, okay. Um, It's the pay-per-view debut for Charles Wright, a.k.a. Papa Shango, and his last pay-per-view match until the King of the Ring 1995 where he wrestled as Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine. <laughs> um, oh, this, okay, here we go. This And then he became the Godfather. What's that? And then he became the Godfather, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. This one's interesting. <laughs> what an awesome character. Last WWE pay-per-view match for Coco Beware, The wow. Nasty Boys, The Berserker, What? Skinner, the Beverly Brothers, Tito Santana, oh and Terry Taylor. Wow. Hey, everyone. Earlier in the episode, you heard about the monthly content club series, Two of Us, a Beatles podcast featuring myself and my father. Well, what you may not know is that uh, before we ever launched it as an official series, we did a sort of test episode. And Excuse me, I put that episode out actually on Content Club uh, months prior, but now that episode is available uh, in the Polynol feed. So you can go check that out. We break down the Beatles song Paperback Writer. Uh, It's not an unknown song, but it's not necessarily one of their more uh, popular songs, you know, like uh, Let It Be or Strawberry Fields Forever or, you know, something like that. So um, it was a really fun discussion. You could definitely hear uh, how my dad and I kind of were trying to find our footing. We got into some sort of side conversations about other bands of that era and even, you know, some more uh, modern music in comparison, things like that. Um, but we we had a lot of fun recording it, and it was definitely a great way to sort of try and figure out sort of what the dynamic might be. And if you like it, of course, you could go check out the monthly episodes uh, released on Content Club. So go check it out right now. It's a special episode available in the Polynol feed, uh, Two of Us, where myself and my dad, Scott, cover Paperback Writer, just one of the many entries into the long and winding road of the Beatles story. So that's a lot of roster cuts or... Yeah. People just leaving or like, wow. This says this was also Wayne Bloom and Steve Kern's last pay-per-view appearance ever. Well, so you wow. gotta remember several of those people went to WCW and things like yeah. that. Like the Nasty Boys went to WCW. Yeah, Nasty Boys went over. Yeah. You know, um, I believe Terry yeah. Taylor 
I think he went over to WCW and then I think he started taking on a more backstage role in WCW and then later WWE, um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the centurions who accompanied Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile, I added that. This Queen of the Nile. That, uh, mm-hmm. To the ring prior to the Royal Rumble match was played by Louis Spicoli, who would portray Rad Radford two years later. Wow. Honorary Jeez. member of the clique, Louis Spicoli. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of the 30 entrants, 18. Oh, okay. I'm not going to read all of these because, again, minor spoiler for something that's 30 years old, but we kind of just went over some of them as well. Of the 30 entrants, 18 would exit at some point by the end of 1993. Wow. I'm not going to read some of the names. Maybe we'll get back to it later, but it's just interesting. Some of them I kind of read already, so. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. A match between Max Moon and Terry Taylor was earlier scheduled, but was later scrapped. The two, however, took part in the Rumble match itself. Um, a number of... Re- this is where what I was getting at. A number of wrestlers featured on the poster weren't even involved in the show. Three of the wrestlers weren't even with the company anymore at the time. Davey Boy Jeez. Smith and the Ultimate Warrior were fired in November for allegedly receiving growth hormone while Nails left the following month after an altercation with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I did. I have yes. okay. about that, um, yes. Crush, meanwhile, didn't wrestle on the show, selling injuries from Doik the Clown, and Kamala wasn't on the show at all. Yeah, not at all. Hmm. Um, The first time that the first two entrants were former world champions, as I kind of said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance Cassidy was originally slated to appear in the Royal Rumble match, but left the WWF and was replaced by Max Moon. The on-screen debut for the narcissist Lex Luger featured the unexpected first appearance, first ever WWE appearance for Giant Gonzalez, who interfered in the Rumble match, eliminating uh, The Undertaker. This was manager Harvey Whippleman's revenge for Taker, defeating Whippleman's man Kamala in the casket match at Survivor Series 1992, which led to Kamala turning face and siding with Reverend Slick. On <laughs> Superstars, episode dated the 16th of January 1993, Whippleman said that he was going to drop the big bomb on everyone. The seven foot seven Gonzalez turned out to be that big bomb. Now, the big bomb. What I was saying earlier was um, it's it's kind of interesting to me. They don't really do this anymore, but Undertaker clearly had an issue with Harvey Whippleman or Harvey Whippleman had an uh, an, an altercation with The Undertaker because um, Bobby Heenan used to do something very similar. I'm a manager. I don't like you, Hulk Hogan, so I'm going to throw a factory of guys at you. They don't yes. really do that anymore. It's more I have a problem with you. Let's solve it. And not so much. I'm a manager and my goal is to be in charge of all the guys who have the titles or the guy who could take down the main guy or whatever. So I'm going to create like a factory of guys to go after. The only guy who really does that anymore is MJF. In his own way, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, he he throws the gauntlet at people, really. Yeah, I think (laughs) they should bring that where he tries to. Um, yeah, I absolutely do. I absolutely think that they should bring that back. Yeah. Part of the uh, fun. First pay-per-view appearance for Bam Bam Bigelow since WrestleMania 4, 1988. Jeez. 
final WWF pay-per-view appearance for the Big Boss Man until WWF Judgment Day 1998. Holy crap. Only pay-per-view match ever for Damian Demento. Um, Jeez. Final pay-per-view for Paul Diamond, as we we said. Final pay-per-view appearance for John Tenta. Uh, until WrestleMania 10, which would be his last as Earthquake, until WrestleMania X7, which would be his last pay-per-view match ever. <laughs> um, first, here we go. This one's interesting on the flip side. First WWE, WWF, pay-per-view match for Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, Bob Backlund, and Jerry Lawler. Wow. Um, Yokozuna eliminated Randy Savage to win the Rumble in only Yoko's second pay-per-view match ever. And the very last thing it says is Bruce Pritchard said that he and Pat Patterson pitched for a debuting Scott Steiner to win the 1993 Royal Rumble and go on to face the WWF champion at WrestleMania 9. Vince turned down this idea and the Steiner brothers instead made their WWF debut as a tag team as they had done years prior in WCW. Hmm. So that was their no. That was their this was their first pay-per-view appearance. First pay-per-view. Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah. But the pitch was for Scott Steiner to win the whole thing. Wow. Huh. <laughs> so yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Wow. It's funny how things, even back then, things were changing. Hmm. Well, very soon after this, we will have to, uh, we'll have to figure it out. But very soon after this, of course, look, the the next night after this was the, uh, the Monday Night Raw which featured yeah. a little bit of the fallout from this, of course, because yeah. as yep. we set up in the previous one, um, we have um, Randy Savage and the Repo Man. That's we right. We have uh, Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect in a Loser Leaves WWF match and more. That's all I'm going to say. And more. And um, more. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to continue on this journey of 1993 because as we saw it's not it's not uh just you know bad wrestling there is some some really good stuff in here stuff that we can stuff. clearly talk about for a while yeah um, clearly <laughs> yeah but, what are we on like two hours and a half now we're yeah, pretty close like to that. that yeah yeah wow um yeah so uh before we go um i want to ask you what's your final final thoughts or final verdict on this uh, pay-per-view what did you think overall i'd probably have to give it 6.5 out of 10 i thought um as we as we said i thought the opening match was good nothing great in my opinion it was it was a good match um the Shawn Michaels Marty Jannetty match very good the um um world championship match very good there was a lot of good spots in the uh the rumble you know the the big boss man bam bam bigelow match I could kind of take it or leave it um the Lex Luger segment 
was it's for the laughter alone it's worth a rewatch for sure yeah, for anybody out there for sure um, i like your idea about getting somebody who's not familiar with wrestling <laughs> to kind of react to that because that would just be <laughs> hilarious honestly um but yeah i'd probably say i'd say you know uh, between some spots in the rumble match the intercontinental match and the world championship match i would i would say they they raised it up to uh be what it is but i would say to me it's a, a about a 6.5 out of 10 okay i'm gonna go with a seven for me it was yeah uh i think i i enjoyed certain aspects of it a little bit more maybe but um like the bam bam and, and boss man fight like i said it was it was uh it was good to see them for me so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say seven out of ten not bad not bad could have been better could have been far far worse absolutely and especially considering, you know, the state of the company, the state of the roster back then, especially. Right. Yeah. I was going to say 1993, not known for being one of the best, you know, one of the better years no, in uh, no. in WWF or professional wrestling overall. Um, So, yeah. Except I, I miss say... it because I was 12 and I had no idea what was going on in the world at the time and everything seemed better. But that's probably just nostalgia and not really reality of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, when you're a kid, everything seems better. So, yeah. Did we have anything else that like... we wanted to talk about with uh, Royal Rumble 1993? I, I think that's about it. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll just say that uh, that that I, I, for one, am glad that I do not smell the machismo coming out of oozing out of Razor Ramon. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what the rock was cooking because he was always asking do we can you smell <laughs> um maybe maybe that was it so uh <laughs> until the next time uh kiona where can they find you all around the internet um so okay so let me let me just bring this up real quick because i did change my twitter handle uh so now you can find me on twitter at neoplasmic24 um that is n-e-o-p-l-a-s-m-i-c 24 uh you can find me on twitter there and you can also hopefully soon find me on uh twitch.tv slash neoplasmic um and you can also find me on my best friend's uh, stream at twitch.tv. It's called Some Bish Named Red. So that's S-O-M-E-B-I-S-H-N-A-M-E-D-R-E-D. -E -E um, and you can also find me on renegadepopculture.com. Uh, you know, uh, I got a bunch of my old video game reviews and some uh, some podcasts that I did in the past. Um, and one that is to come in the future. So... That's where you can find me. For myself, I am. Uh, by the way, the fact I just got to say the fact that you changed your Twitter name screwed me yes. up because I tagged you in some stuff, and it Twitter doesn't work the way it used to. Where if somebody oh changes their thing, it used oh, to I'm be sorry. where if you click on it, it could still take It'll it to just their new thing. Change it. Yeah, okay, it doesn't. Okay. It, it it doesn't. So now I it's it just says at because I believe it just used to be your name, right? It yeah now I I yeah kind of am switching things up where I don't want my my real name out there too much too often. Gotcha. Uh, except on this podcast, we can refer to me as myself, of course. I gotcha. Um, 
we could do we could do stages. I already got Polly Payne. You could be like Kiona the Crusher <laughs> if you want. That's perfectly oh, fine. Jeez. Oh jeez. Um, oh dear. <laughs> kill, kill, killer Kiona, whatever you want to do. Oh man. Um, but uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, it 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 messed it messed me up because yeah. I tagged you and then like I'm two sorry days about later that. you changed your name and I was like I'm ah. sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen. No, that's but, okay. Um, that's okay. Um. Yeah. So my personal, well, I, I'm uh, going to blame Elon for that. There we go. There uh, go. My personal Twitter and Instagram is at JPGRB uh, for more about uh, the various things we do with the clock shelves half of this podcast. You could go to uh, clockshelves.com, which I'm going to be redoing very soon. Um, we are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at clockshelves. That's C L O C K S H E L V E S. Um, as always, you could get this episode and the other Clock Shelves podcasts uh, earlier on early and uninterrupted on Content Club. That is your hub, so go sub. Um, and maybe I will do a little uh, sort of blind react sort of thing, maybe as a as a bonus. Then go drive your VE dub up there, and uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry about that. I missed what you said, actually. No, I said go drive your V-dub after you sub. Oh, gotcha. At Content Club. Because um, it's your hub. I mean, there are other hubs on the internet, but, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> I just threw you off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you did. You did. Um... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you did. Um, but I believe that is all we have for uh this episode of raw we're still debating whether it's going to be raw or raw because it's uh reflecting and i think it's just raw raw uh uncooked un such and such (laughs) i can't remember what they say Um, uncut uncensored uncooked raw reflecting and analyzing wrestling from renegade pop culture and clock shelves entertainment